like we landed on the moon, nothing been the same since. Uh, Not at the line like shine bright. We had a prime at the time of our life. We on the night. Hello everyone, welcome to Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast. Hello, people. Scott McLeod here, joining as always my good friend and co-host, Paul Brown. How are you feeling today, Paul? I feel dandy, Scott. My, my, my body has healed from my many calamities of the past few weeks. <laughs> yes, uh, you've, you had a bit of a fall and then you had to get a, a tooth out. Oh, you still to get it out, but... Yep. It's mostly all caused by the fall, though, you know, so... Yeah, Paul had a bit of a fall, which... It's been a wee while since our last episode where we also talked about uh, Impact, but in between where we were wiring up on that episode... Uh, there was talking about mainly about hardcore justice, and we we're going to talk a little bit about mania and that. And we recorded some of it, but then we had to. Uh, life got in the way where we had to. We said, "Oh, we'll record the next bit separately." But then between then, Paul had his issues with his tooth, and since then, I've had a really, a really shitty week with in terms of work. And uh, like on Tuesday this past week, I had nearly had a full long fucking anxiety thing, and so we basically scrapped it because like we. We only wanted to talk about a few matches at Mania anyway, and I think we summed up as basically saying, like, ah, for the most part it was good, you know, the main event was solid, even though we were shot Drew to anyone, we still enjoyed the match, and so it wasn't exactly the most in-depth review you're ever going to hear. You know when you, you know why you nearly had the anxiety, Scott? Why? Because you weren't drunk, and you weren't talking to me. <laughs> well, I was working, so of course I wasn't drunk, and, well, you don't work with me, so how could I be talking to you? Ah, but... But if you were drunk, it would have made it all the more exciting. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, you know. Uh, we were recording this. I work Monday through Friday, so I've started to look forward to my weekends again. Uh, I feel like being back at school. But, and, you know, yesterday, uh, we're recording this on Saturday. Yesterday being Friday, I finished work. I recorded something in the evening with Rogue Opinions. I had a couple of strombos while uh, recording that. And I'm having another wee strombo while talking to you, so, you know. I'm feeling good again and looking forward to talking about Impact, so you know, life is good again. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that, man. Thank you. Um, it was weird as I went out for a walk earlier on with uh, my dog. It took him a good nearly three mile walk, you know, tired him out a little <laughs> bit. A little bit bugger out a wee bit, and uh, I came back, and weirdly, uh, you don't expect these two things to go together, right? I just I was open my can, uh, I, had a, I had myself a little scone. And I came back, so you don't really expect those two things to go together. Scone and a Strombo dark fruit. Mm. You know, that's yeah. just that's just me. Uh, so I choose to spend my day. But, you know, obviously we'll be talking about Impact and many other things there. We did talk about the releases a little bit in that previous one that we won't be hearing. But we were going to talk yeah. about that later on because we think there was a way to connect that to Impact. Yeah, well, we did, we did talk about the releases, but we will... In regards to releases and debuts, mm-hmm. I believe was one we should give a bit of t- give a bit of time to. I think. Yeah, we'll also cover that later on, and I'll let you talk about the one you think really needs to be to be talked about. So, uh, well, I really think so. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and one that was one that was um, hinted towards. Also, I think we should talk about. Cool. but honestly, we had hardcore justice. We we're going to talk about it was a fun show all around, even if it was kind of. Not, in, not all the matches were entirely consequential. They were all a bit of fun. And then Rebellion, yeah. I think, top to bottom. Yeah. Solid fucking show, I felt. Oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. It was fantastic, Rebellion. But before we delve into that uh, properly, well, I know you said you had a bit of a fall, and I said how 
I'd had, I'd been anxious the early week, but I'm feeling better now. But let's people know anything positive that happened to you during the week. You know, fall aside. I had a good. Uh, I took I took my mum's dog for a good walk, much like you took your dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got an all clear at the vets, which was a nice thing. That's good. Uh, see, I, I surprisingly have a few good things for the week, so it's tr- hard to remember which were the best ones, you know. You, you choose. You just choose what one you want to tell us. Yeah. Ah, I got the young ones box set on DVD. Hmm. Yeah, for three quid. Nice. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Because I know, obviously, that's also uh, Rick Mail and Ed Edmondson, and they did that before Bottom, but I've not really seen much of the, the young ones as much as I've seen Bottom. I'll tell so. you, once all this silly not being able to go to people's houses shit is dealt with, you'll come up here, we'll have a drink, I'll show you the young ones, you'll piss yourself laughing. That's pretty much what I was going to say. Not that you pissed yourself laughing, but I said, oh, I'll definitely have to, like, you'll definitely have to show me a few episodes when I'm able to come to yours again for... Trust me, you'll piss yourself up and it's fucking fantastic. If you like bottom, you'll love the young ones. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the odd like, clip on that, but I've never actually you know, watched a full episode of the young ones. I, I don't think it's on Netflix like bottom is. It is not, unfortunately. It's not even on YouTube, surprisingly. Hmm. You know, there's like bits of it and wee clips of it, but it's not on YouTube. I don't think it's one fairly is regularly shown on TV, obviously, like in terms of reruns. Like I've seen the odd episode of Bottom, like late at night on like a UK Gold or something like that. But so I think yeah. with something that's as seemingly as we described, a bit hard to find. The fact that you really get it for three quid, uh, the box it makes it even more like a bargain that you got there. I thought so. It was a, it was a bid on eBay, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, cool. The wonders yeah. of eBay. Yeah, the wonders of eBay. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. But yeah, I still can't find a fucking copy of SummerSlam 95 at a reasonable price. <laughs> Usually I'd say just get it, but I think, yeah, definitely hold out for the best possible price given the, the I'm, I'm not playing top dollar for a thing that's got possibly one decent match on it. Yeah. You know, the ladder match. Yeah, even that has Sean thrown a temper tantrum because he can't properly unhook the, lad, the, the title well, belt. When, when, did he, when did he not throw a fucking temper tantrum when? Well, that's fair. You know, like, like, like two summer times in a row, he did that. Like, he did that then, and then the following year, he's loudly kicking Vader in the head, shouting "Move!" Yeah, I mean, Sean throwing a tantrum, temper tantrum was as regular as what Bret Hart bitching about nothing is nowadays. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I know in the in your house series, we've done the odd like review of a pay per view in between. Like, we've done Mania Twelve. We probably do with other pay per views down the line. Like, I like I'd like to uh, review. Uh, as part of our From the Vault series, uh, Rumble 97, but I think it's best waiting till we're like just after we've done the last In Your House of 96 so we can bridge the gap between that and Final Four. But yeah. there's a reason why when uh, we did In Your House 3 that I just read you the results of SummerSlam 95. I think it was at the end of In Your House 2, but there's a reason only those years I read the results of SummerSlam 95 and we didn't actually review it because there's no fucking way I'd ever review that. <laughs> Not willingly, at least. If I if I lost some sort of a predictions thing and it was like that was the punishment, then yeah, by all means yeah, I'd do it. But equivalent than when we had to review Legends of Wrestling and whatnot. I think fucking I think the quality of SummerSlam '95 would be up a bit if by comparison to Heroes of Wrestling. I mean, well, not the best card. I mean, you've still got decent work. You've got one, two, three kids: Akushi, Ball, Polly, 
Shawn Michaels, Razor. You've got people who are decent workers, just all not together, not exciting matches. So I'd take those two guys wrestling, all those guys wrestling each other, or having to watch fucking One Man Gang and uh, Abdullah Butcher like cutting each other open and the Bushwhackers and the Iron Sheik stumble around the ring. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not really worth a watch, you know. It's weird. We've done like three punishments on this. And it's weird that the first one was the worst of the three. And so the other two seem to lose a little bit of impact, even though I'd rather not have done them. They seem to have lost their impact a little bit. And I'm, See, I, I, think for, I think for future shows, you're mm-hmm. talking about like punishment reviews and whatnot. Mm-hmm. In, a, in the in the positive, I would say for a future show, maybe we should do like a classic Impact pay per view review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been I thinking think that would that. Be a, a good show, you know. I've been thinking that too. I mean, there's some old, old five, old six like pay per views. I'm pretty sure are actually on Impact YouTube in their entirety for free. Like I think Lockdown 2005, the first ever Lockdown, is up there. I'm not sure it's the best show. I mean, you got Raven and and Jeff Hardy fighting in a tables match inside a cage, yeah. which probably sounds as confusing as it probably is. But I'm thinking about doing some early ones, and also maybe, like, a couple of babies I wanted to do at some point, also in separate reviews, I've mentioned is uh, Redemption 2018 and then that year Slammiversary, because those were the first two reviews under Callis and Scott Damore. So that was, like, the real, yeah. those were the real turnaround points for, for, uh, for Impact. I mean, the downside is uh, it features that prick Austin Aries in the main event, but you know, you got to take what you get. Sure, sure. Yeah. But, that aside, let's. Should we get into our impact then? Yeah, before we do, I just want to briefly kind of put the meat. I'm pretty sure when we did uh, the last punishment, uh, Nathan's uh, favourite matches, and we were pissed. Which, literally, yeah. getting, getting pissed was the fun part. And just yeah. making random shit off the top of my head to find to say about those matches. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was one of, if not the last t- time I was able to come to you to record a podcast. Yeah. I'm sure it, I'm sure it may have been. No, I swear, man, when, when you're able to come around and hang out again, I'm going to get the drink in <laughs> and some pies or something, you know? <laughs> we'll, make, we'll make a, we'll a day of it. Get drunk and eat pie. <laughs> Uh, what more can you ask for, eh? And watch, and watch the young ones in a classic pay-per-view on a VHS tape. <laughs> ah, the way life should be. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Also, uh, I mentioned the dog. I should uh, mention it because I think... I don't know if people enjoy listening to me talk about my dog, but I enjoy talking about it, so you're going to listen to it uh, if you're listening to this. <laughs> Either that or you can skip 30 or so seconds ahead because it won't take long. But I was joking about this with Paul. I've... The last couple of days had to like work from home and also watch the dog as mum starts to uh, go back to work. She's doing this weird thing where her boss is making her go in more days but fewer hours. So like she goes in more days during the week but she's only in say three or four hours. But she would rather like do like less days but more hours so that she can... It's not confusing for the dog her constantly leaving and coming back but... Because I work to three I'm able to like, you know, do my work, run about the, my lunch break I can take him out, do his business, and then for about three-ish, you can take him on a decent like length walk, and my mum can take him back out again after dinner for like along to the park because we live which is a couple of blocks away from a park where he can sniff around and do whatever he wants. But uh, yeah. the other day, I was sitting here working. He was lying on my bed, quite a thing. He was all like, he was still quite tired 
from the day before. So he's just lying there sleeping. But he's down at the end of my bed. His arse is in my general direction. And every now and then I can hear, Aww. and I'm looking like, is that you? And he doesn't even look in my general direction. He just lies there, the wee bugger, like, and I message you, like, he knows what he's doing. I'll in my face. He knows what he's doing with that fountain. And I told you, I lost dogs for you, man. That is, that is dogs for you. I'm taking a wee swig of my strong wheel. I've got one more can in the, the fridge, which I may or may not get through the course of review if I feel like it. If you want a can. As what are you drinking, Scott? Uh, Strombo Dark Fruit, as I mentioned before. Ah, I am drinking Dragon Soup. Nice. Tropical Fruit Punch. Mmm. Mmm. It doesn't taste like Tropical Fruit Punch. <laughs> what does it taste of? It tastes like chemicals. <laughs> it prob- mainly because it probably is. Mildly fruity chemicals. <laughs> so- but you know, it does the job. It does the job, and that's the main thing. I, I did see a terrifying thing on Facebook the other day. What was that? Well, um, it was a, a, conco- a drink concoction that someone apparently used to drink. Mm-hmm. And I thought, my Christ, even in my best days, I couldn't drink that without vomiting. What was it? I'm curious if you couldn't drink it. <laughs> I bottle of Mad Dog 2020 with two cans of dragon soup in it and a two litre bottle. Oh. Yeah, that would fuck you up good. Yep, that would definitely would. I mean, a bottle, a bottle of Mad Dog on its own. Oh, I was going to say. Yeah, Mad Dog on its own, let alone mixing with anything like a dragon soup, like you said, which is probably mostly chemical, especially if you're using a tropical punch one or whatever one is you're using. Yeah. But like going into like you said Delvin I Center or Impact, do we go from like a just review all of Hardcore just a thing go to Rebellion or like say if like a match carries over a story into Rebellion cover Impact Hardcore Justice and Rebellion like say the the X Division title match do we just talk about the tag match at the start of Hardcore Justice and get to the triple there later on or would we cover both in the one? I think we cut we we start with the tag match and get right like cover it later on. Okay, so we'll just go through Hardcore Justice and then we'll get to Rebellion a little bit later on. Yeah. And it shouldn't just take us long to yeah. go through Hardcore Justice. It's basically going to be like when we uh, when we did uh, Final Resolution and Genesis on the one. And that was fun. Yeah, yeah. So Hardcore Justice took place uh, Saturday, April 10th. It was in the afternoon, which was a smart decision because obviously WrestleMania Night 1 was the same day as um, yeah. uh, Hard- uh, Hardcore Justice was a Tommy Dreamer run show. He was the executive in charge of wrestling, or he was the ECW. Uh-huh. Wink, wink, do you get it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we had some funny stipulations and ways to kind of carry over to Rebellion. And, yeah. you know, we started off, like, with the X Division, which is probably the best way to start a show, where we had a Madman Fulton team with Ace Austin and... We, well, going into the show, we didn't know who each man's partner was going to be. We knew, obviously, Fulton was probably going to be Ace's partner. I said to you, oh, Falabella will probably team with TGP. You weren't so sure about it. That's why it ended up happening. And well, I, I wasn't sure because I didn't think Fala had been looking so fit recently. Uh. You know, I, I, I genuinely thought he was... You remember, uh, like, maybe a year or so ago, mm-hmm. Fala was looking really quite fat? Mm-hmm. 
and then he seemed like he'd lost a lot of weight and he looked like he was doing the same thing AC Romero was doing, like he was losing weight, he was getting fitter. And he was losing that big fuck off tire of a stomach he had. Yeah. And recently he looked like he was putting the weight back on again, which is why I thought, well, maybe, you know, because up until that point we'd just been using Fallon kind of comic skits. Well, he is kind of funny. Uh, not just because yeah, he's fat, yeah, but he's but a very funny guy, certainly. I hadn't really seen him like in ring as such, so I was surprised when he was included in the match. Yeah, but I think the biggest mystery going into it was who would be Josh Alexander's partner, because also he's clearly a very talented tag team wrestler. We saw with Ethan Page, but Ethan Page isn't oh, yeah, yeah. a part of Impact anymore. And to our surprise, it was a uh, Petey Williams, you know, fellow Canadian, uh, joined the match, and he kept te- a very good wrestler in his own right. Yeah, and like. Considering like he was been around at least to like I think he first performed in TNA around at least two thousand and three or so. Yeah, and so also he must have been also wrestling for a year at least a year or so before then. So given yeah. and also he only wrestles more full time in the last couple of years, so the fact that he still looks not only as good a shape as he does, but the fact that he was still able to perform at the level he was performing here is a credit to him and Well that's just the sign of a guy that really takes his profession seriously, you know what I mean? Like, he takes mm-hmm. good care of him, still knows how to do it, knows, doesn't miss a step, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because, like, if you go back to, like, early teens, like, basically, like, 04 or 05, I mean, like, Chris Sabin there, he had a feud that was kind of one of the main things of the X-Division at the time, and before you're, like, Silly, so, like, yeah. Daniels or AJ, because you had Williams as the heel with Team Canada, with, like, Bobby Roode, uh, Eric Young, Scott Demore was the manager of, of Team Canada, and then you had Sabin back when he had long hair. Uh, yeah. As the face, but and they kept teasing you with the Canadian Destroyer if he was going to hit her or not. And like, and they talked about the fact that obviously Canadian Destroyer, a lot of people use that nowadays. And Peter Williams did comment on Twitter like a year or so ago and said, yeah. I never meant for this move to be so like used as a transitional move because very few people when they had to they mainly do it for like a pop and not to actually finish a match. And uh, Matt Striker perfectly summed up like, want to see Peter Williams at the Canadian Destroyer, even though so many other people do. He said, uh, it's always good to hear a cover of a song you like, but sometimes you want to hear the original. Yeah. Which is a, a quality line from there uh, from Matt Striker, if I do say so. In- interesting fact that I, w- I learned there when you were talking. I didn't know that Scott Demore was a manager. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's, that's new info for me. I know Callis wrestled like years and years ago, uh, like the yeah, 70s, exactly. 80s. Mm-hmm. And then he went into the Jackal. He's also Cyrus the Virus uh, in, in, T- in ECW and yep. things like that. Jamal, I don't know if he was a wrestler. You know, he has trained a few people and uh, he's done work as a manager. I think he also he runs a promotion up in uh, in Canada, but has done some like work with has done some work with a uh, uh, impact. Like I'm pretty sure. I think I don't know if he still is, but I'm pretty sure Dina is the champion of that promotion because. I didn't know Dino was also Canadian. Jeez. Because <laughs> yeah, I think it's mainly because also the Dino's gimmick didn't make, didn't immediately scream that guy's from Canada. Also, make, there's a, yeah. a stereotype of like, the Southerners. And, yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, but, you know, Brian said that uh, Scott Demore reminds him of Drew Carey. <laughs> I can see that, I can see that. You know, and I said, no, it was like, it's a cross between Drew Carey and that guy the NCIS. I don't really watch that show. Oh, well, uh, look at the kind of fat one. How can I know what the kind of fat one looks like if I don't watch it? <laughs> you said you don't really. That, that means you might have seen it once. 
I don't know. I may have seen a bit of it, but I don't know what most people on the show look like. I know. Well, yeah, but Drew Carey and that guy is what I said. No. Fair enough. But getting back to the topic around about the the match itself, because I was really enjoying the match. There was a like people constantly like, waiting their turn and like getting a, a blind tag, like a obviously Fulton and he said wrestled a tag match beating TJ and Alexander a week or so before, yeah. and there was a spot where TJ tied himself in, and that helped kind of cost them. That got them arguing. So TJ at one point goes for the Mamba splash, and as he's about to dive off. Alexander ties himself in to try and, and steal the win. And yeah. Eventually, I think it's on TJP, uh, Pete Williams does hit the Canadian Destroyer. And then I do like that they try and tease him doing it on Fowler. And then he flips over and Fowler goes to sit on him, but he moves. And then Josh Alexander yeah. manages to like get the ankle lock in on Fowler. And, yep. And, uh, uh, sorry. and Alexander and Pete Williams win the the match uh, a hot opener I thought really good it didn't really hurt uh, I think it really needed to be these two that won the match giving us a beat of surprise return it was definitely it was definitely good and I thought it was good in the sense like I had a feeling that they were pushing Alexander towards Lex division title mm-hmm. that's where I figured it was going to go mm-hmm. and I thought that was a good way to start to you know build Alexander towards that eventual title win yeah, because I think we were a bit no. nervous because like he won the the triple uh, triple threat like revolver thing, and he looked dominant yeah. there. Had a great match with TJ the following week, uh, episode Impact, but he did lose. And then the work a week where he was just hanging about, but he, he since Ace won the title, he's halted right back into the the picture and yeah. looked hella like, dominant in the process. And so yeah, I really enjoy like the thing about the exhibition. I, I was on a podcast recently talking about like the, the issues with WWE and with the cruiserweight division they've got right now, I said the reason yeah. is because like the guys in the cruiserweight division are wrestling a similar style that a lot of other guys up in the card are doing, like like a Seth Rollins or Finn Balor. But the only difference is that the guys in the cruiserweight division are just a different weight than them. But that's not really enough of yeah. a difference. Whereas the X division, you can have somebody small like a TJP or an Ace Austin, but then you can have guys like fucking Josh Alexander and that come in, or you could even like like we did briefly get likes of. We had Willie Mack, or we could briefly get like Jordan Grace mixing up with the X Division, so there's a lot more possibilities. You could even, like, even have someone of a, like a Jake something. Yeah, so yeah. X Division taking away like the idea of weight limits, even though some people like Eric Bischoff when he was there wasn't a fan of the idea of the no limits thing because he didn't think it made any sense. It actually yeah. actually opens up for more possibilities and more. It makes I it more exciting. So. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't leave any one guy or one woman like just sitting doing nothing if they're not like in the tag scene or the main title scene there's always the X Division title to go for and it's always a really exciting division yeah. it always keeps them in the, in, the, in the spotlight as such you know and also like the idea of it being no limits it means that it's not like it doesn't single anybody out from going into that division and then if even if you don't bring that option, see if people are like testing out their people's singles push, like they seem to be doing with uh, Josh Alexander, and that they give yeah. them the X Division title before pulling them up to the world title, it makes that more valuable. It basically does for that belt what they used to do for the IC belt back in the day. Yeah, like, that's just what I was going to say. It's the way that the, the IC title used to properly be appreciated as like a a step towards, you know what I mean? Yeah, or like in WCW, the US title. 
was often seen yeah, as like if, you, if you, you've got to win this title to at least be in contention for that title kind of way you know yeah like you're always considered like the number one like uh, contender usually for the title like you didn't always immediately challenge the champion if you were the US champion but some things the US champion would challenge for or they'd always be considered in the mix for it yeah that's the thing like that's one of the things and I, I hate to bring them up when we're talking about impact but that's one of the things that really disappoints me with the WWE uh-huh. Well, the fact that they seem to have so little interest in the stakes of their Intercontinental title anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, at times, yeah, it does seem interesting. Like, we've got an interesting thing going with Apollo Crews at the minute, like, with this whole Nigerian thing. Uh-huh. You know, but still the title seems less important than the story or the character. Yeah, because, like, it's also hard with these microdoses because half the time you forget somebody's even had a reign with one of them, because, like, AJ, yeah. when he and almost won the the, the tag titles uh, at WrestleMania, they were have made a big deal that oh, AJ, one, one time we thought he wasn't never going to get to WWE, and they debuted five years ago, and now he's a Grand Slam champion. I forgot yeah. he was even IC champion. It only happened a year ago, and you actually remember back to his reign, he had some decent matches against like Drew Gulak and Matt Riddle and some other people who weren't really getting big opportunities at the time. I think part yeah, of the reason until you said it there, I'd forgotten he was fucking IC champ. But I think part of the reason I forgot it was well, one again the booking like other than like even though he was kind of well as champ, like the booking of the IC title in general in the last few years, and plus the fact that I tried to pick the IC title, but I'm still picturing the white strap thing and not the whatever that shit is that they've got with it yeah, now. Whatever the fuck they've got now, because it look it's fine enough as a title design. I just don't. But if you say that's the intercontinental title, I just have a hard time putting those two together. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a good title design. I don't think it looks good as a wrestling belt. It looks more like a boxing belt to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. Uh, we got kind of traffic obviously with a hot opener to uh, Hardcore Justice, but what wasn't as good, I didn't think, was uh, Charlie Leo between uh, Hernandez and Shira. <laughs> Uh, no, that was that was kind of shit. Basically, it was, it was weird because it was all set around uh, obviously Shira and, and Rohit broke up, and then Hernandez was hired by Rohit to kind of take out Shira, and uh, they had an interaction with some chairs. I now we have a Charlie Legal match, which obviously is a reference to Barely Legal, the ECW pay per view, uh, with Tommy Dreamer involved. And it was just like Shira's uh, good for a big guy, but Hernandez, uh, you know, you can take or leave him sometimes, and it just felt like. Very slow, very plodding. The chairs weren't as much of a factor. And then Hernandez just gets yeah. knocked the fuck out with one chair shot to the head by uh, Rohit, who then suddenly is trying to get back in the good graces of, of Sierra. And Sierra kind of looks like an idiot for even accepting it because like, he should be wise to Rohit shit by now. Should be. <clears throat> is, there, is there really any more to say to this than, than that? I think so. And I, I was annoyed by the fact that. Um you know, I don't mean to jump too far, but sure. I had that general legal match, and we cut to the next impact, and it seemed like everything was cool between Rohit and Shira again. Mm-hmm. You know, when it was like a match for for just for the sake of nothing, basically. You know. Yeah, it was just a weapons-based match on this like art, like maybe a hardcore like style card, but even then, the chairs weren't even that much of a factor as I already said. Yeah, and it does annoy me sometimes. Like when you have like, you've got a set of plan, like oh, like he's going to turn on him or he's going to have 
like friction with this guy. So we'll have we'll have a match and something will happen, but there's no. It kind of just peters out before there's any real build on the story, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what what the clear story was with yeah, because like. Rohit had the, the thing with TCP and Manic where he lost the title and then he had that triple threat match at Hartigal, which was a good triple threat. But since then, I've just found it very difficult to care about Rohit because he had the rematch where, like, oh, I've got Shearer McCord now and then Shearer barely played a factor at all. Then yeah. there's the breakup, then they're back together now. I've no clue what's going on there. I get what you're saying because, like, like you say, Rohit was getting, like, Rohit was getting like pretty hot for a while, you know what I mean? He was getting there, he was in the main event scene. Mm-hmm. He was high up with card, now he seems to have fallen back down again. Like, I don't really think we know what we're doing with him and Shearer at the moment. Yeah. But, but, I'm curious, I don't know, thinking like, could, could we push Shearer as a singles guy? Because, I mean, they seem to be pushing Jake something, you know? I mean, Impact seemed to be growing their own mean new division of like just big guys. Because, you know, you've got... Hey, we're talking about somebody who joined the company just at Rebellion. You've got Joe Doran, you've got Jake something, you've got uh, Black Taurus, you've got uh, Shira, Jake something, Fulton, Alexander. Just fucking. Yeah, and the thing is, well, the thing that, like, the one, the one uh, odd one in that whole list you just mentioned, like, you've got Jake something, you've got Shira, you've got uh, Taurus and whatnot, but out of all of them, Joe Doring is the one who's most like a classic. No power wrestler like a psycho sid or something. Oh yeah, totally. Because the rest of them seem to have the one thing that seems to be prevalent in modern power wrestlers, and they have agility as well as the power. Mm-hmm. You know, especially like Jake something. I watched the. Once again, I apologise for jumping a little, but I watched last week's impact. Yeah. And his match, some of the moves he was pulling out in that match against Chris Bay was, you know, it, it really, really solid moves. You know. Yeah, totally. And I think, yeah, well, he's, he lacks some agility. He's not, like, l- lumbering as a big guy. Uh, oh, no. He's not uncoor- that uncoordinated. Like, he does the odd, like, cross-body thing, but the fact he doesn't leave his feet, like, even when sometimes when people dive off the top rope, over the top to onto him, he doesn't always go off feet. I think that then makes it when eventually something like that happens that he does get knocked off, and especially if there's yeah. a, a crowd there, that'll get a reaction from people and, like... And- you know, Jake something's finisher is something else. See that shit out powerbomb he does? Mm-hmm. That is just, that is just, when you see that, you wince, you know what I mean, when he hits that power. And I think with Doran, uh, his look of this old school guy, I think that's why, like, they talk about he's a concept when he was over in Japan before he came to, to Impact. I think that's probably why he was booked so well, because he had that look that, because Japan seems to love their big foreign, like, tough guys, like, that's why the likes of Steve Williams and uh, Bruiser Brody, Stan Hansen, those guys all, and Vader, yeah. they all got booked so well in Japan because they love that idea of this dominant guy who's not from Japan, but coming in here and just wrecking shop, everything like that. Yeah. Dor definitely like your classic power wrestler. Well, he's, he's in the same mold of like a Sid or a Kevin Nash at this peak. But if we're talking about people who are big guys but not very agile, Black Doris, uh, I'm not talking about him, but I'm talking about his opponent, Doc Gallows. He still had a, a singles match. Uh, yeah. on, you know, it was not as bad as some of uh, Gallows' other matches, because, and I put that mainly down to Taurus. But, and then, it was because then, like, they had a, they also had a tag match against Decay on, uh, on the following impact. Uh, Gallows did get the win here, and I think he was, 
mainly because they were trying to show that the good brothers are annoyed that they lost at sacrifice because they were taking it. They were too laid back, so they're trying to be maybe like more aggressive. But I'm, I'm, I get that whole thing, but I don't appreciate the way like the care have been booked recently because they've been taking a lot of losses, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's, it's difficult when you've got a tie team division. It's, it's that disease when like some eventually some guys are going to have to take like was it like it's not your time to get your spotlight now because like like look at Triple XL. Because like they lost yeah. to Finjus and you're probably like an eight man tag, and then also they lost to they had a match with Sammy and Trey as part of their feud. Those guys are yeah, and so like these are two like class teams, but those like they're it's not their like time at the minute. Totally, totally. I would have liked to have seen it rather be like a, a tag match on this show rather than the uh, rather than the singles match, but it was still good to see Taurus get like a, an actual like. I think this is the first time he's actually had a singles match on like an Impact Plus special. Yeah, yeah, true. And I, I definitely rate Taurus, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I think he's known as the power and the agility, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting what they can do with, with him and like Steve, because like, those two can be a tag team and go after the titles, but they can both also go after the X Division title as well, because, you know, uh, Steve was in the... Uh, he was in world title, you know. Mm, but like Steve was in the the Super X Cup. We had Taurus was uh, in that triple threat with uh, Bay and Ace Austin. That Austin when he get his match at Sacrifice, and so there's yeah. all sorts of things you can you can do there with those two ends. And you know, with I was gonna say I was jumping a bit too ahead. I'll be talking about Rebellion, but I'll talk about that when I get there. I was gonna be about who I think you see Taurus face at one point, but I'll talk about that when we get to Rebellion. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a match that got made on the show because of it running at a uh, at Caesar's at Swingers Palace. Sorry, because uh, Matt Corona showed up at the uh, backstage, but Johnny uh, Swinger joked that you know we don't accept action figures here because Corona is a collector of a classic like well action figures, but mostly wrestling ones. But he's got like other ones. If you anyone's ever seen his vlogs where he shows his collection off, but and. Uh, you had Tommy Jr. popping out doing his old uh, Wrestle House catchphrase yelling, Match time! And we were saying, Shut <laughs> up, Tommy, we're not in Wrestle House anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but then we had uh, what, what Tommy described as a, a Crate American Bash match, where we said there were four oh. crates on either end, either corner of the ring, and they all had like different things involved. Like, I'm pretty sure like Swinger puts his hand in one of them, there's a mouse trap involved. What to say, that, that match took me back to the cringy days of TNA. Mm. I think it was maybe, though, like a bit tongue-in-cheek, because like, there was a, a photo of Scott Hall, I think, in one of them, which I think is maybe a reference to WCW did a version of this between Booker and uh, Jeff Jarrett, where in one of the boxes was the world title. And like Scott Hall wasn't a part of WCW, but Booker T takes out the fiend photo of Scott Hall in that match, and he just looked in the cameras and say, Really? And when Booker eventually wins the match, the box that he gets with the title in it, the arse of the box falls out of it, so the world title falls onto the floor, and so he awkwardly has to get a referee to help pick it up. So I think it's maybe like that was presented as serious, like as a world title match, whereas this is maybe this went about seven minutes, and I think it was presented as like ah, oh, it's a bit of a laugh. Yeah. And he had Cordero uh, open one box, but he didn't. Uh, show what was inside it, but he kept it for himself. Uh, he yeah, did end picking up the win, I guess. 
Go ahead. Oh, no, I'm saying he gave a little grin as well. He was like, ah, ha. Yeah. Really, I'm keeping this, and uh, he would show up later on in the, the uh, Blind Games match uh, between Jake something and Brian Myers. Uh, yeah. And it would be revealed that the box was filled with action figures. And so they did a spot on top of like the action figures, which I'm sure... I'm wondering if that spot uh, would hurt more or less than uh, than taking a bump on like thumbtacks or something like that. Yeah. Because like, I've seen indie shows where somebody's put out a bag that you think is thumbtacks and they put their bits of Lego. Because everybody knows it's a pain in the ass to step on Lego. I, n- I never liked those matches. I was like, come on, just do, do it with thumbtacks, man. Come on, why Lego? Come on. <laughs> I mean, a heart spell, so it doesn't. Well, maybe because a heart spell, so it doesn't get stuck in you, and you have to pull like the thumbtacks out of yourself. I know, but thumbtacks for some reason seem less mean than Lego. <laughs> Fair enough. But they don't like before it bloody sucks. <laughs> I know, and the fact that also a lot of people probably have, and so like you see crowds at these shows, they pull out Lego, people chatting, holy shit, and you sick fuck. I mean. See when you step on a bit of Lego the wrong way and it sticks in your bloody foot? Mm-hmm. And you're like, ah, and then you go and pull it out your foot and it hurts more. Maybe that's why, that's probably why they do it at these shows because a lot of people know what it's like so people can relate to how much pain the person who probably took the spot is in. Like, Jimmy Havoc used to do a spot in the matches where he'd, where he'd try and like paper cut his opponents, like right between mm-hmm. like the fingers because everybody's had a paper cut and he said like, and he would say in interviews, no, I could hit somewhere a chair or through a table, but you know, I think the biggest reaction is probably going to be a spot like that because everybody's felt a paper cut, so people can relate to that more than watching somebody get hit with a chair. Much like what Ace does with playing card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which, which weirdly got taken away from during the triple threat at Rebellion. Not to jump ahead, but like, it got taken away from even though even though it's a legal object, it's a triple threat match, so it shouldn't have any DQ, which I thought was weird. My, my one nitpick of that match, which was otherwise perfect. Yeah. So, uh, going into this, uh, Myers had initially like, rejected Matt Cardona's like, offer of a match at a rebellion, because Matt Cardona just basically like, I don't want to fight you, but there's clearly an issue here, and if we can get past it with this match, then fine. But Myers said no, and Gordon was like, fine then, I'm not going to like wait around and like make such a deal while I make my own path. And so he had a match with Jake something where Myers interfered, Myers then shoved uh, Jake something's face into the side of the steps, and that yeah. obviously it hurt his eye, so because Myers was wearing the eye patch, they did the the blindfold thing. But also at the same time, Gordon, Myers then changed his mind and said, no, fine, I'll have, you, I'll have this match. <laughs> So then, obviously, Myers, uh, Cardona got back at Myers by bringing out the action figures and helping Jake something actually beat him in this match. I thought the win. Mm-hmm. And I like it because I have noticed that in regards to Jake something recently. What's that? Well, they we seem to quietly be holding him towards something. Yeah. Because you know? he, he's not picking up a lot of losses at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and... I really do think we're quietly building him towards the main event scene. That'd be quite cool. I mean, he lost that match, like you said, to Chris Bay to get into that uh, no one contender thing at Under Siege. Sorry, I jumped too hard ahead. So it sucks that he's not. 
it sucks that he's not uh, in the match, and he's not in the like mix of this number one containers thing. But he easily could be at some point. Like you'd kind of believe him as like the wild card via like a multi man Kevin number one contenders thing. Yeah, I, I would say so. Because I mean, he's de- he's definitely got the he's got the ability. He's got the character and work. I think mm-hmm. he's got you know he's he's a total package in my opinion for a main event guy. Yeah, I definitely would agree. Uh, kind of a throwaway thing, but you had uh, Sam Beale, who was a, a trainee at the school that uh, <laughs> Trip McGill work, uh, helped run, and he obviously yeah. squashed by Sammy Callahan at Hargreaves because he answered an open challenge. Yeah, he did. I mean, I'd, God, mm-hmm. you know, we'll get, we'll, we'll speak more of Sam Beale as the, as the show goes on. <laughs> All right, I didn't realise we had as much to say about Sam Beale because I don't, I don't have that much to say. I mean, he, he showed up again. On the most recent impact again, getting quickly scored. So fair to the guy's yeah, getting on. Yeah, he's getting on TV, but like he's not getting made to look that good. I'm I'm curious to know where Impact intends to go with this guy because, like you say, and I agree with you on this. The few times I've seen him, he's basically getting his ass handed to him. Mm-hmm. No, he comes out and he he comes out. His entrance is reasonable. He comes out looks like he has a bit of bravado, and then he gets a kicking. Yeah, you know, like Sammy gave him a kick in, and like apologies for spoilers to our listeners, but in the most recent Impact, Morrissey gave him a kick in. Mm-hmm. You know, and a severe kick in as well. You know what I mean? It's like, is he going to just be Impact's resident jobber or something? I mean, you, you can you do every promotion can you need this their their jobbers to be fair. Otherwise, you've got like Asalisades on the roster who are, who are basically tasked with taking the losses, and so sometimes yeah. you need to save your established guys for taking losses. And like this guy is still technically like well, he's I don't know if he's how long he's been wrestling, but he's still technically in his training. So no, he's paying his dues, maybe. Maybe, maybe. Probably a better better thing to be than being a resident jobber, I suppose. Yeah, but, but I'm not jobber. I'm in training. Yeah. <laughs> I'm paying my dues. That sounds a lot better. Yeah, I'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. But then we had the the knockouts weapons match uh, to crown the number one contender for Rebellion. It was uh, Alicia Edwards, Havoc, Jordan Grace, Rosemary, Tenille Dashwood, and was maybe Susan. But then she got taken out by Sue Young before the match with like the mandible claw, and. I then thought, oh, well, that means that So Young's going to win. She's made this big return. And then yeah. she didn't, and didn't actually get as much of a spotlight as you figured. I mean, she had a bit of a face-off with Edward Rosemary at one yeah. point during the match, but that was her main bit in this. And, and well, then she, also, had a, she had a bit of a back-and-forth with Havoc, too. Yeah, and then she went back to being Susan again. Like, I think if you're going to bring Sue Young back, just don't, don't do it as a one-off. Like, if you're going to bring her back, properly bring her back and get Susan to, to fuck. Because I thought this was maybe symbolising, like, when she put the mandible claw on, like, this is Sue Young maybe killing Susan off. Like, yeah. But I suppose we're going to just... I think they're playing the wrong game with us on that one. Yeah, like... Because like, it seemed like, at that point, oh, it's two different people, but then they're all maybe alter egos, so... It's weird what the, I don't know how to say it, but what all the rules are with this character here, because uh, the young and suddenly quietly went back to wherever she was, 
after yeah. you know, Harker just said, how did Kimberly and Dionne get her back under control of Suze and afterwards we need things to be answered. It's so it's a weird sort of like it's like a disorganized version of the three faces of Foley, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Because you've you've got Susan, you've got Susie, you've got Sue Young. Susie and Sue Young are both kind of creepy in their own way and interesting characters. Susan, I believe, is the weakest one. Susan is oh, by far. You know what I mean? And the the only thing that I've noticed since uh, Sue Young reappeared at uh, the Hardcore Justice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Since Susan, Sue Young reappeared at Hardcore Justice and then went back to Susan, the only significant thing I've noticed is that since then, she's twitching more and seems to be talking to herself a lot. Mm-hmm. You know? So they've, they've done something with the Susan character, but I still don't like it. You know, yeah. I think, um, much like you in the sense, I think we should just fucking play their hand and bring Sue Young back or fucking bring Susie back. Get rid of Susan, it's not working. Yeah. yeah, totally. And because, like, yeah, she wears a suit, she throws a shoe sometimes, but she's not done anything to really show what makes her stand out and compared to the other personalities of, of Susan or Sue Young or whatever, other than the fact that she's more boring than the other ones. And because, like, the whole thing that like you said, Tommy Dreamer said he wanted Sue Young back, and then so Sue Young did come back, but. They never go back away again. Like surely you build to her, they never will come back. Her just kind of like shaking a bit because that's what you did with uh, with Sue and come back back at Bound for Glory because Susie was constantly showing the odd sign of it, and then she got taken out. Then a few weeks later, makes the return. The next time you see her, she's Sue Young, not Susie. So yeah, that, it's like a brief of runs with the knockout's title and then loses it again. Yeah, and I think the only reason she won the title and lose it back was I think they thought I'll oh, bring her back early as Sue Young. For the big pop because obviously Kylie Ray was a no show at the time, and then yeah. you put Diona, get the tail back to Diona, which uh, I was listening a Fateful and their review of, of Rebellion uh, the other day, and the uh, Sean Rassap on that said that if Diona hadn't had that month where she lost it, she would be approaching one of, if not being close to being the longest reigning knockouts champion of all time. Surpassing mm-hmm. Ty Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's definitely up there in terms of uh, reigns. Because I think like Gail yeah. Kim for a while back in the day was had like the longest reign, and then you had other people like take the long. And yeah, the current record holder is Taya Valkyrie. Yeah, or if you will, Frankie Monet. Frankie Monet, yes. Yes. Which a lot of people were slagging about, but then her and Jordan Grace was coming out defender, basically saying that how much it sits in, and then she came in and said like, actually, I chose this name. Yeah, I picked it, fuckers. It's my name. I picked it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so sit down and shut up. <laughs> so there were all sorts of ways this could have went. I was surprised that they didn't even they didn't just maybe throw in a uh, fire flavor into into this. Uh, you know, yeah. have them team up. You know, as part of the story of the match, or you know, uh, who else could have been? known Devea wasn't involved in it. Uh, Kimberly wasn't involved. I, I thought she could have been involved in it. And then, like, Nevea was involved, but then she does cause havoc in uh, her spot, which, yeah, I felt shitty. And then Nevea, I think, is apparently gone from Impact. Yeah, and then the big blow-off between Havoc and Nevea happens on before the Impact. Like, so you use the culmination, the blow-off match of these two, which were one of your few women's tag teams, on to help from pop a rating for your new show, which, to be honest with you, I'll wait till the match. It's just from each episode is uploaded for free on YouTube, and I'll watch that. 
so I don't have to I watch have, the full episode. I have to cut in on you on that one. I've got to say, I don't think it was a proper blow-off match. I was really disappointed with the way the Havoc Nevea story finished. I mean, I say blow-off as in Havoc gets their revenge by beating her and then Nevea's gone, so in the sense of the feud is ended by a match happening. Yeah, but it just seems so weak, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Nevea loses... And then she has to go to Havoc after the bell. And then she's gone. Yeah. You know, there was like, it seemed so... It almost seemed unresolved, you know? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I call it a bluff. I think it's a bluff in name only in, in terms of actual being an effective bluff. It's not that. It's like, you should have just taken Havoc out of this, have Havoc, Nevea, Pat Hawker just as a singles match in its own. That would have been better because at least it's on... Impact Plus, it's on an actual special, so it gives it a more more gravitas to it. Because like these two were almost a very like we were almost the new t- uh, Nuggets tag champs uh, a few months ago, and now we've just broken them up here. And like fair dudes of like Nevea wanted to leave for whatever reason, she wanted out, and apparently her last few appearances she was on a pay by appearance deal, she wasn't under contract, so they just kind of rushed into the match. But if she was just going to go away. After like one match, don't just have probably just don't have a match at all. Have Havoc be the one to turn heel and have her beat the shit out of Nevea and say that she beat her so much we may never see Nevea again, and that explains her being gone. That would have been a lot better, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, usually I don't like usually have simple like I say simple like let's say weird booking decisions with that and the Susan thing. I usually think I'd pick it because I WWE for. I don't mean usually have these kind of issues with Impact booking, but. I think and it's fair for me us to point these out because as much as we love Impact, we can't just be praising all the time. We need to like take the good with the bad. A, a critical judgment on occasion, you know what I mean? Yeah, because as much as you may love certain promotions, not every not uh, there's no promotion out there that's perfect. You know, AEW, WWE, Impact Japan, wherever you're into, they're gonna have their like booking decisions of the people that you you don't agree with or don't connect with you. Yeah, and I, I don't want to like paint us out as fucking knowls of of impacts. You know I mean, but with, mm. with the way we do the show, you can't like you say you can't always be praising. You have to have a critical viewpoint of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, an open viewpoint of it. Yeah, and plus I like having an idea. You know, when I when I followed and when I came back to watch Impact full more full time before anniversary when they were actually starting to build teams for the inevitable return of the tag team titles. Uh, yeah. around at the time were Havoc and Nevea so I basically followed them for over the last year and then to see the kind of the breakup happen the way it did and this happen and then Nevea's just gone I'm going to yeah. also have some issues with that it does suck it does and I'm wondering if you if you think this sucks or not uh, decision to have uh, Tenille get the win because Jordan Grace had the match one after the, uh, the Vader bomb but then got pulled out by Caleb and then Tenille stole the pin so Tenille won the match which I'll be honest at first I was quite disappointed that Tenille had got the win but seeing the match that ended up happening I wasn't too upset I think she gave a good account of herself in the actual match mm-hmm because yeah. no a lot of people like uh well, there are some people who point out that her matches with Paige back in the uh, 2013 NXT and the quality of, of those matches 
and they pointed to like well people credit like like the Charlotte and Bailey that came after them but give these two their credit and I always thought she was decent in ring but I don't she's not always been my favourite person to watch. I never connected to her that much when she was in NXT unlike some yeah. other people. But I I was like curious because like I've never seen a match of hers that I've enjoyed say some other people like like when there was like a Jordan Grace, a Diana Parazzo or even a Rosemary, like they've had matches that I've always uh, at least had one match I thought that was like standard, that was a belter. But I've, with Tennille, I've had matches that, oh, that was a decent match, like her matches with Jordan Grace and things like that. But she's never had that proper, like, standard match that match that's blown me away in terms of how much I've enjoyed it. So, like, so that's why when it happened, I'm like, oh, it's a weird decision out of these six people. I mean, the only one that would be even weirder would be if, like, Alicia won. So it's not exactly the weirdest one way it could have went. Well, if Alicia had won, you would have known for definite she won't win the title. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I kind of knew that Tenille probably wasn't going to win the title. But then that did make me kind of doubt going in the next match, which was the Knockout Style match, that part of me actually thought Jazz was going to win now because even though I'd, I'd like to wonder to win, uh, part of me thought, Good. is this what's going to happen? You know, Jazz gets this brief like, nostalgia run, you know, she is a transitional champion, you know, takes it off one heel and then drops it to uh, Tenille. Then Jazz leaves and someone like a Jordan Grace then takes the title off to Neil. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That would have been interesting, but that is, is not what happened. Uh, uh, Prazo did was victorious against Jazz. And yeah. I was worried. That it's, unfortunate. it's unfortunate, really, because, I mean, the idea of Jazz having that one-off like final run would have been quite cool. Mm-hmm. But I suppose it's also helping further... I grabbed us to the to Diana's reign because not only has she had two very like decent length reigns and this like one is still ongoing, but now she's beating former knockouts champions. She's beating legends and retiring people, and it's making her yeah. look more unstoppable as the months go on. Very good point. It is a good point, and I'm glad that the match was worked the way it was. Like it was kind of it was old school rules, but didn't lean into that too much. Like they went outside, and that's where Jazz took over. Yeah, emphasize that like she's a fighter, Diana's the technical wrestler. So yeah. Jazz had her moments of dominance in this match and it wasn't I was worried we were gonna get like a repeat of like the Taya Valkyrie match from Hard to Kill where it was all like one sided to Yeah. Um I've I've no issue with Diana being a dominant champion, but you know, you look more credible if your opponent puts up a decent fight e and looks valiant in defeat where and then it makes you look stronger otherwise if you dominate like 90% of the match, then it looks like you basically had an opponent that was beneath you and so wasn't that strong of a victory. It was like, well, of course you won. Yeah, I've got to admit, I thought like in regards to the Yona Tire match, I thought that was pretty petty booking from Impact, if I'm honest. Yeah. Like, Tire was made look horribly weak in that last match she had. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'd like to know the story behind that one day if we, we can get... Ty or Frankie Monet to do like in an interview and uh, hear her talk about like what happened with that because surely if she was going out yeah you go you're like well lost you put somebody over that's fair enough but surely you want to have the best match possible when you go out yeah you know like we were Fiona basically just owned her in that match yeah because we were so looking forward to that you know the idea you know Diana not like the current dominant champion the former going against the former uh, the longest reign champion they'd be bigging that up 
like, a lot in the build to it and just, you know, went down like a fart in church. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> the build was awesome. The match was so disappointing. I know. But going back to this match, Jazz, yeah, we got to count ourselves. She made uh, Diana look strong. Uh, Diana also, I've noticed, like, uh, little things about her character. Like, she busts out new moves. Sometimes she busts out moves, like, we haven't seen her use here. Because, uh, like, she's got, like, the, the arm bar. She's got the Venus Smile, the double arm one. Which people usually yeah. tend to like immediately tap out to because they know they can't get out of it. You've got the Costa Nostra, the underhook pile driver, and then oh, I can't remember what they, what she called it, but basically it looks like the pile driver, but then she goes face first. Yeah, I know the one you mean. Can't remember, I can't what, she, remember what it's called, but. Yeah, I can't remember what she called it, but she, I don't think we'd seen her use that uh, at this point. So she busted her basically something that Jazz wasn't prepared for because Jazz managed to avoid getting both her arms trapped in the arm bar, so she avoided that. So Diona busted out something new, so Jazz wasn't able to get out of it, and that's what put her away. So I think it was more of a statement in the way she won, and it also shows that Diona's smart. She's always changing her, her strategy. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, then you had Jazz, uh, like having an emotional moment with uh, with Jordan Grace. Like I don't get what the whole thing was hard having eight, having technically a mini match the following night against uh, Fire and Flavor when that match was maybe a retirement, but. You know, TV get. I mean, and then for some reason, uh, Scott Demore tried to willingly like go against the whole stipulation, and he had to convince her, like, "No, I'm retired. I don't want a team with Jordan against those two for the tie titles." But I've got somebody who can team with Jordan, and we'll get to that a bit later on. Yeah. So that weirdness aside, it was a hell of a match because Jazz was legit going to retire before she got the call from Impact. Uh, like, apparently, very few people knew before Jazz showed up that she was going to be. Like uh, showing up, I mean, that means in terms of like, people who are probably wrestling because a lot of people were shocked when she showed up. So yeah. she got an extra six or so months uh, on her like career where she got like you know, mixed up in the tag division. You had that match with Jordan at Genesis, which was really good, and then she got to have this match where she puts over the current champion. So you know, it's a decent like run. Like it helped like, give her that one little bit of a boost right before she she called it a day. Yeah. But then we rounded out Harder Justice with a hardcore war, which is basically like a war game slightly for lockdown, but without the cage. I think with the rules of the order of guys coming out and like the heels team having the advantage and everything. Yeah. And uh, Tommy Dreamer got taken out uh, before the match. It was maybe him teaming with Eddie Edwards, Wally Macker, and Rich Swan, and going up against Violent by Design, but. Tommy yep. got taken out, so Trey Miguel took his place, which we'd later find out that it was uh, Sammy Callahan who took out Tommy to you know, give uh, Trey an opportunity to step up and prove his, uh, his passion. Hmm. What were your uh, thoughts on the, the actual main event of, of Hardcore Justice? Well, I don't know. It was for it and I was against it, you know? Oh, yeah, how? Well, I was I was mainly against it because I have real issues with Trey Miguel. All right. I just—he's a great wrestler and whatnot, right? He really is, but I just don't like him. If you know what I mean in that regard. Yeah, I, I think so. He just—I know he, like, he's a great wrestler, but just he doesn't like click with you. No, he just—he doesn't click with me. Like, see his whole his whole 
or Sona he's got going. Mm-hmm. I just I just find him deeply unlikable. Fair enough. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I get what you mean. No, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. But like, and, and, and in regards to other members of the the face team, Willie Mack, I feel has really been going under the radar for the past month or so. Mm-hmm. You know, like he was he was up there. I mean, he says he was ex division champion, but things you forget that. Yeah. You know, but I think I think without his association with Rich Swan, he's kind of. He's just there. Yeah, he does seem to be fluent about like the X Division, uh, getting the odd shot here and there. We did think that the whole thing with Moose that was leaning something bigger with with Willie, like maybe turning his back on on Rich Swan, but no, he just seems kind of like sick around, you know, a, a Swan's pal. Uh, yeah. And I was by design, more. I have I have nothing but positive to say about violent by design. Mm. You know. I, I, think, I think Eric Young kills it as like the sort of like the cult leader, mm-hmm. and I think like the addition of Rhino. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm still curious to know what's happening with his call your shot trophy thing. Yeah, because he's constantly got it in like the background and everything. He comes out with it, but no real mention has been made about it, or like it doesn't seem any indication of where it's going to go. Because ideally. I think maybe they'd go after the, the tag belt and try and do some sort of freebird thing with it. Yeah, yeah. And if and when Heath comes back, what's going to happen in regards to Heath? You know, is, like, is he going to join Violent by Design or is he going to try, like, uh, like Cousin Jake or Jake something did with dinner for a while to try and bring him back, you know? That'd be actually quite good. I think it's more likely he'll go against them. He won't want to probably join them because I think he's better as a good guy. At least uh, in his yeah. current guys, and it'd be interesting, like say, like they win the tie titles at Violent by Design. You've got like maybe Dina and Rhino defending them, and you, you put a defense yeah. up against like Heath and Cousin Jake. Yeah, definitely. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential storylines in that. And you know, I was very like keen, like noticing, like what I was keeping an eye on what uh, Eric Young was doing during this match because. Obviously, I think they'd probably take this around about the same time they were taping pretty much everything else that was leading up to uh, Rebellion. And yeah. yeah, there was also the reports that Eric King had suffered that injury in the other uh, Davids. He suffered it that much. I was wondering, I think I was, I was keeping an eye to see if I could notice him like, getting you know, this injury. But Yes, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I looked and I watched and there was the match. And there was some heavy interaction between him and Eddie Edwards. Mm hmm. But even after the bell, like after the match was done, they were still fighting between him and Eddie Edwards, and I didn't notice any particular incident during the match when he may have been injured. Mm-hmm. You know? So, but Violent by Design does get the win here, like continuing their dominance. Because, like, yeah, Deaners lost uh, twice to in singles competition to to uh, cousin Jake. Uh, yeah, we actually look at them as a team. They've actually not really lost as a unit yet. No, they have not. No. You know, they won at Hard to Kill, won at Sacrifice, thanks to Rhino joining them, they won here. And uh, yeah, James Storm and Chris Saban, who were hanging around Swingers Palace throughout the show, kind of annoyed that they weren't like asked to be part of Dreamer's team to like stand up for Impact and, like, and fight uh, back in the because they got taken out by them when they kind of came across them, you know, given the consequences to 
Diener like beating the shit out of him for losing to Cousin Jake and they got into a bit of a brawl there. You had uh, you know, Chris Harris hanging around, you know, looking fat. <laughs> he was useless. Yeah. I see Chris Harris, the man who clearly ate Chris Harris was hanging around and he got beat up by Eric Young. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I just laughed at the fact that there was a time like oh seven, oh six people thought yeah, Chris Harris out of the two and like him and James Storm, he's going to be the breakout. 2008, he goes to WWE, shows up fat and gets put on ECW, gets released within a year. <laughs> they called him Braden Walker. God. <sighs> but anyway, that's, 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 that's the point. But then that did lead to like uh, Mac and uh, was teaming with uh, Saban and Storm. At Rebellion and a big eight man tag, so obviously it made sense why um, by design wanted to keep this like dominance going and uh, also uh, it gave them more reason to go into this match and gave the heels momentum going into Rebellion. Yeah. Well, that's hard for just a fairly inoffensive show for the most part. I mean, at least I think. So, but then when you compare it to Rebellion, I mean. I, I'll put this out there. Rebellion, best pay-per-view they've done since Slammiversary last year. Best pay-per-view of the year so far, I think. Oh, I'm it's, it's better than hard to kill you, though I enjoyed the main event and other things about it, but we did talk about there are some things that disappoint us. But hard to kill. Now, it's better than Bound for Glory. Apparently, he also did twice the number of buys that uh, the hard to kill did, and also did like almost nine times what Bound for Glory did, so like, this this made Impact some big money on pay-per-view this did. Hell yeah. And it, it's funny that like, because there was that, there was also AEW had their pay-per-view revolution where reports were coming out that the numbers of, in terms of pay-per-view buys for that show were actually higher than uh, previously reported, so it is weird that like, you, like when we talk about where uh, in your houses or like we're from the vault series, I always talk about pay-per-view buys and yeah. That's the thing we talk about WWE, it's largely like not talked about because of the network and things like that, but if it, it feels weird that the likes of AEW and Impact they're kind of bringing attention you know, back to, you know, traditional pay per views again. Yeah, definitely. You know? Because that, like you say, that's never talked about much because of like networks and streaming services. Uh-huh. Pay per view buys are not really taken into account a lot of the time. Yeah. Because WWE shows are still available on traditional pay per view platforms, but it's very rare you'll meet somebody who doesn't just get it on the, the network if they're if they're watching it, or even if you're only tuning in for like big shows like a WrestleMania. Some people even use that because they know that they've got a free trail when they sign up, so they'll, leave, they'll take advantage of the free trail, watch WrestleMania, and then probably cancel it. Yeah. Which is fair enough if that's what you want to do, but it is obviously you got to think a part of this is to do with the main event, you know, the champion v. A champion match for the the two world titles or technically three because it's it's I don't want to spoil we what we do is use think uh, with the knowledge assuming that you've watched it with us but I'm curious like it's kind of make it technically TNA champion as well as Impact champion technically he is yes technically he is because they said it was Impact uh, champ versus a uh, AEW champ and like yeah I know there was a unification thing and like. So the TNA and Impact Champions are technically one now, but like I didn't expect Swan to be walking with both belts. I thought this was maybe even though they acknowledged it as a title now finally, 
Uh, I thought the TNA title was going to like disappear after Swan won. Yeah. I don't really want to jump into the main event quite this moment, right? Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to the logistics of the the title, how the TNA title works anymore. Oh yeah, yeah. But I have quite, I have quite a lot to say in regards to the main event match. You know. I'm sure you do. A lot in the positive, but also a little in the negative. I have, a, I have a tiny bit in the negative, but uh, I, I'm trying to look at some things in the positive, but there are things, like I said, you have to take some negative with the positive. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, there's that old... But, sorry. No, sorry, you go, you go. No, uh, no I said my, my piece about the, the pay-per-view, so you got to think the, the Omega thing probably helped, and, you know... And which is probably which is a good thing with him in the main event that it did work because you know some people were starting to doubt his ability, you know what the value is him showing up in it because we had that episode where he showed up uh, just after sacrifice and like the numbers of that particular episode were quite down, but yeah. you know numbers apparently are starting to get better on access for Thursdays now that they're a couple of weeks in, and then they've got this pay per view that you know what's happening in the main event and also what they're teasing for some anniversary. Hopefully this will be like last year where a lot more eyes are circling back to Impact and hopefully they'll stay there as well. Hopefully, yeah. And I, I strongly believe they will. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I mainly, I started watching the few weeks before Sunrise last year because you know, you were talking about it. I heard the rumours and I wanted to check out who would show up and here I am. I'm still with it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, the Freeze star is meant to go on Perfectly described rebellion because it starts off with the uh, the X Division title match, the uh, the triple threat X Division title match. Yeah, I know. I know. I was going to say that. I know what kind of match it was. <laughs> Fucking correct me. I will. You want to lead the conversation? Fucking you go. <laughs> okay, then. So we start out with the X Division triple threat title match. We have Ace Austin, Josh Alexander, TJP, and. I will say my piece just shortly here and let you lead with it, Scott, but I personally believe for an opening match is one of the best I've seen all year. Your thoughts? Well, if you want my opinion. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I totally agree. I, I looked up 11 or so minutes this got. Uh, I could yeah. have watched it for another 5 or 10, to be honest with you. Hell of a match. Uh, I think Hell it, of a match. Not, not one of the three of them looked weak in that match. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, you know, and I was happy there was there was very little interference from Fulton. Mm-hmm. It was it was mainly just left to the three of them to get on with it, which I really appreciated. And Fulton did kind of play a role in the, the finish, but I'll get to that in a second. But you know, every guy had the role. Uh, there were really unique spots with guys locking in like double submissions and and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And like it's part of the reason like we need people talk about Samoa Joe, like Daniels and AJ. Still to this day, that had a mix still. You had the powerhouse, but still quite athletic in Joe and the two high flyers and everything. And also, Daniel's kind of more cunning as a heel. And you kind of had that similar mix here with this match. You had oh, Alexander, the fucking powerhouse with the, uh, the amateur wrestling background. You had the widely heel, who's always quick on his feet like Ace Austin. And then you had the technical wrestler and TJP, who could also go to the top with the Mamba Slash. So everybody brought their own unique thing to this match. Yeah. Everybody had to part as you would say, you know. Mm-hmm. And 
the X Division, like I said, will always be a cornerstone of, uh, of TNA or Slash Impact. And even back in the bad days when it was doing TNA as a company was was struggling, the X Division yeah. always delivered. So as an opener, I can never fault like the X Division opening a show. Uh, I did say I I was taken completely by surprise, you know, and even if I whether or not I got spoiled for me or not, I going into the show like the main event wise I could see where that was going Ray Charles could fucking see where that was going and oh, oh. I know but a little controversial man maybe a tad talk, huh? I know that's from you maybe a tad but like certain matches I could kind of see where they were going to go but you know for the most part I kept uh, things like spoiler free because like I told you be- uh, before but I don't think people will have heard it but we, most people listening won't have heard it uh, I got fucking Jazz versus Deanna spoiled for me before I watched it, which pissed me off so much. Oh, seriously? Because somebody who was in a group chat I'm in was talking about it as they were watching it, and then just said, oh, De- Jazz, uh, Deanna retired Jazz, because she'd been missing other, pe- other things about the period, and because I hadn't seen them, so she just assumed, because nobody had said anything, like, please stop, I've not watched it, or no spoilers or anything like that, she so basically assumed it was okay to just keep... Decision and I honestly I looked at my phone I saw the words Dion I retired jazz not and I didn't want to, I wasn't annoyed because of the outcome because even though I was kind of sad to see jazz go I was just wanted yeah. to, I wanted to whatever happened I wanted to react to it organically and take it then I seen the fact they got spoiled for me I seen that I wanted to fucking throw my phone across the room. That's the thing. Never, never ever assume that people know. You know what I mean? Never mm. take the risks. You'll fuck it for people. I know, so that's why I was felt so happy when I I was very spoiler free with with this show. Like I didn't get any results spoiled for me. Um, that so, was the same. So I went into Thankfully. this. So I went into this. I seen this match, and I had a, an idea where I thought it was going to go, kind of based on what had been happening. It's like TJP and Alexander had another match uh, between Harker Justice and this, and so it felt like yeah. the story was going to be. These two are trying to tear each other apart, they're getting each other's way, and then Ace Austin will sneak in as a champion, take advantage of that, keep his title for another day, but eventually, either before Slammiversary or at Slammiversary, lose it to Josh Alexander. That's where I thought it was going. But then, I was genuinely shocked when... I was genuinely shocked when it went the way it did, because, like, you had full as you said, he was going to get try and get involved, trying to grab TJP, but... Uh, eventually, JB get, gets knocked off the apron, and he's fallen, kind of taking them both out. And then Alexander manages to hit uh, divine intervention onto on Ace Austin and gets the win and becomes the new Division champion. And I generally didn't see it coming at this stage. I knew it was going to come, but didn't see it happening here. I should throw my hands but up and say, I, I should throw my hands up and say, I haven't watched their rematch from this week's. Uh, uh, impact. I've seen some bits from this week's impact. I haven't seen that match yet. I can assume that obviously Alexander obviously won, but otherwise I would have heard about it. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I am going to sit down and watch that match, even though I I know what the outcome is because I want to see those two. Oh, you trust me, you The match is fucking. You'll like it. Hmm. And I really. That's no spoiler. I'm just saying the stakes have been a great match. It is a great match. And, you know, I'm really happy for Josh Alexander because, you know, I kind of felt bad for him. I didn't know what was going to happen with him when he when uh, Ethan Page left. But then you had, like you said, yeah. like the slow build for him in the X Division as the, 
is almost this new like dominant force in that division. And you know, I want to see him hold on that for a while. You know, have take on all comers. You know, all different styles, oh, all different sizes yeah, of people. Because um, I'm sorry if I'm cutting in here, right? But no, no, go ahead. It's the thing, like, like you say, like he was really dominant in the tag division with Ethan Page. Mm-hmm. The North were fantastic. I love the North, right? I wish I'd have been watching Impact longer to get more of them. You know, the way they're doing it with Josh now, it it just it really is the best way to build. Because I've noticed sometimes when you when a tag team splits for whatever reason, and they go to build one of them, sometimes they go with the build too quickly, mm-hmm. and it, it can be detrimental to the guys pushing. My opinion, sometimes you know. Yeah, I totally understand where you're coming from. <laughs> but with Josh, we're doing it right. Like we had him, we had him kind of, we build him with a couple of little mini feuds at first, get him up there, get him established as an X Division guy for first bit. And now we've had this. Like we had the thing going with him and TJP for a little while before this actual match. And then we bring Josh in. We make him and TJP and Ace Austin look pretty strong in this match. But ultimately, Josh comes out with the win looking strong as hell dominant and it really will lead him into a proper push for the world title I think eventually I, I totally so too and like you said about guys not like seeming weak at all in this match because uh, well, the TV is already a former champion Ace yeah while it was strange that he eventually got his title show after Super X Cup only hold it for like a month or so but you know yeah. Ace like, he can easily slot into anywhere in the car. He and Fulton could go after the titles if they want to do. They could slot him right back in the mix for the world title. And yeah. I think he will be in that. Sp- he will probably qualify for that sixth way at some point. Uh, yeah, like, even, that first match, that exhibition triple threat, not one of them came out in any way looking bad, I don't think. They all established themselves. They all, they all did their best work in that match. And it was a, it was a fantastic match. Like, whoever you were rooting for in that match, if your guy didn't win, you still got a good match. Yeah, and I think what they were gonna, they're going to do what they were doing with Ace when a bit the lead up to Sam versus last year, where early next year or so he's going to start mixing out with the main eventers, and eventually in the next year or so he probably is going to be the, the top guy. He's probably going to be the champion. I think he's going to. You know what? I'll, I'll agree on that one. I would agree. I, 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 I do believe so, and I think, again, it would further evaluate, like, further. Established the X Division type was again as a stepping stone almost to that you know had two time champion going on to the eventually goes on to be the top guy. Yeah, the only thing I would sort of err on the side of caution with is that if and when Ace eventually does get into that you know impact title picture, <laughs> what what will happen with Madman Fulton? You know, no, no. Could we have a, a Sean Diesel kind of thing here? Not that, not that I'm saying that Fulton was going to win the title, but then maybe feeding. I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, true. But he could, he could, X-Division title, or he could, he could, like, you know, get the tag belts with this, you know? Who knows? Uh, I said something earlier on that I wanted, uh, somebody I wanted, I think, Taurus to face. I'd, I'd like to see Black Taurus taking on Alexander. I want to see him taking on, like, big guys as well as, like, smaller guys. Like, they announced... Yeah. That next week, uh, another New Japan star, uh, El Fantasmo, is coming uh, in. Yeah, El Fantasmo. I was going. To, I was going to mention him, like in regards in the same as uh, Morrissey as well. You know. Yeah, he's like he's also he's part of this thing with Japan. Like I noticed they're moving to more like Gaijin guys and like Finjuice, obviously American. Uh, El Fantasmo's Canadian, 
there are a few like Japanese guys who are based in the US, like Kenta. Uh, he's based in kind of Florida right now, even though he goes back and forth to Japan. So he could show up in Impact if he wanted to. But it seems they are opening doors with uh, New Japan and Elephant Asma. Establishing that connection, you know. Yeah, like Elephant Asma is a uh, cover Japanese wrestling over East, East Meets West, a show on uh, ESSR. And like yeah. Elephant Asma is a proper. Like he's not one of these heels that likes to get cheered. He's a proper bastard as a heel. Like. No, from it just seemed like the showed of him on Impact. Mm-hmm. He looks pretty. He looks pretty sharp, man. Yeah, he's like one junior heavyweight still titles like all over the place in like the UK and Europe. He's a former two-time IWGP junior heavyweight tag champ. He never held the, the junior heavyweight title itself, but he will probably soon. Two-time uh, back-to-back winner of the Super J Cup, and like. He's de- I definitely think if he comes in, he's definitely he's got to mix up with some of those guys in the division. Him getting a shot at maybe at Alexander at Under Siege, I think would be fucking awesome. There's a lot, there's a lot going on in Impact just now, and there's not one bit of it I'm unhappy about, if I'm honest. Uh, this is quickly give you some examples of uh, the bastardry of uh, of El Fantasmo. Uh, like he, one time he before he's he's returning to Super Jacob uh, last year. He was teasing a new entrance music and then came out to silence because he claimed New Japan weren't paying him what he wanted to clear the copyright for a song he wrote. <laughs> and like, there's a point where he teases like doing a big spot but then just does like a back crack or like, he has somebody up in the tree row then goes, oh, stops, stands up and just stands on their balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, just right. just proper prick. Uh, that's what you describe El Fantasma as. I can't wait to see what he does as part of a uh, Impact, but then we went into the Mantag that I mentioned with Violent Design, but also they also acknowledged the injury to Eric Young, but then they saw you I'm talking to somebody. We didn't know yeah. who it was, but he said, like, you're not with us yet, but this is an opportunity for you. And it was revealed to be William Morrissey, formerly Big Cass in the WWE. I've got him, mate. Looking fucking, he was looking ripped, man. He was looking sharp, because... Uh, He's had a lot of issues since he left to be where, like, uh, we had this fan convention, he had a seizure, and yeah, I remember that. and then, like, there's all these stories about him, uh, his issues with alcoholism and uh, his mental health, and he's went through a lot to get himself in a bit, the best mindset he's got himself, like, in tremendous shape, as he said, and just, they call him, like, either Morrissey or W. Morrissey, but, like, I, I don't know why, but William Morrissey, to me, just sounds like the name of a folk singer. Yeah. But I've got to admit, he looked, he looked the part, man. He came out and he cleared fucking house, man. I was shocked to see that it was him that was a part of this because, you know, you think, you know, and I don't know if he's actually going to be part of that by design because he came out as a, for that match with Sam Biel and Impact where he just ran through him and he's clearly a heel because he said, like, you know, those, he says about how the wrestlers in the back don't really care about the fans. He went, like, the difference is, you know, I admit it, you know, while they, while they all lie to you. But, you know, he... He doesn't really think seem like he's associated with Valiant by Design, which I think might be good for him because it might be nice to see him break out in his own. And plus, you know, Violent by Design they already have Joe Dory. I don't know if they need that many big guys in this group. Yeah, yeah. At most, maybe, maybe Violent by Design could have a woman. Maybe. Uh, you know, who do you think they could they could get? Well, we could we could help Susan see the light. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I'm trying to think who on the, the current roster, like you said, or maybe who's out there who they could bring in, because 
they did say that they are looking at to bring in new faces into the group, and so could be could be very interesting. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Ballander by design go off, go forward until Eric Young is cleared to go back in ring again. Yeah, because he's going to be out for a good few months at this stage. Uh, at least months, I think we said. Yeah. At least six. Yeah. Uh, he, well, obviously, he did look good in this match because as Big Gas, he was like your standard big guy. Basically, when he teamed with Enzo, Enzo report allegedly was like mostly taught how to sell and not how to actually work because his main role in the tag team was to get beat up and then tag in the big guy. And. But, you know, Cass, uh, Morrissey looked a lot more coordinated here than he did uh, when he, back in WWE. So he's looking good. He hit, hit that East River crossing, the kind of spinner and the slam uh, oh, for the win. I've never seen anybody connect with that so so right, if you know what I mean. He really fucking, he done that move good. Mm-hmm. I love see somebody hit that move, it looks a little less... But it doesn't look so brutal because they don't really hit it right. But he got he got him down, boom, and it looked vicious, you know. And who was it he hit on? Was it Saban? I think it was it was either Saban or Willie Mack. Because then we had a run in with Willie Mack where he made Willie look a bit smaller. But I'm pretty sure it was Saban he had the actual move on. Uh, yeah. Which which I think would made it look more impressive because Saban was by far the smallest guy in the match, and then you've got this big yeah. seven, like seven fucking footer just swinging him about. And just plant them into the deck. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, apparently, also, you know, you may not like him as a wrestler. Apparently, Gallows is a big part in uh, actually getting Morrissey and Impact. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Gallows and Anderson apparently run a, a wee a small indie called uh, I think Larry Atle Pro or whatever it's called, but they did a, a small show with like a limited number of fans there, and then like they co-ran it with Impact, and Morrissey showed up as as part of this big run in. And so that then started the rumours that he was coming to Impact and apparently uh, Gals has been going to bat, bat for him on it. And Impact did confirm to Fateful that Morrissey is part of the roster, or at least he was at the first day of tape, and so it looks like he's going to be around for a while. No, I think it's a great thing because, I mean, and I've got to say, I'm so happy it's just him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%, I'm so happy. It's just like, I think he has a right to establish himself away from fucking Enzo. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I totally agree with that. We tried in WWE with Big Cast, but obviously he was at his he was having his issues at the time, mm-hmm. and he wasn't there, which was unfortunate for him. But it's great that he's got this this opportunity now. He yeah. seems to be in a good place. He seems ripped as fuck. He seems good in the ring. Give him a chance, man. You know he could be up there in the main event the next year or so. I I definitely think so. Also. Something I just remembered I wanted to mention that nobody really is commenting on new, the commentators that mention it, but I think that's two years in a row at a rebellion that Ace Olsen's lost the X Division title because last year when it was put across to episodes impact, he lost it to Willie Mack. It's very true, yeah. He's got, he's got a little streak going of losses at rebellion. <laughs> I don't know if that will ever come to anything, but I think it's a nice wee, you know, it'll be an answer to a trivia question at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah. But then we moved on to uh, to Brian Myers uh, getting the one over Matt Cardona. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. There was a little instant in that match, though. Yeah. 
well, don't you remember uh, Matt Cardona's knee? Yeah, I think that's actually. I'm sure it was, but I think at the time they weren't sure if he was hurt. But I think I don't think he's actually that as hurt as they thought he was because he said at the time he thought he was actually may have hurt himself, but. They worked it into yeah. the finish, and then they had the match on an impact where Cardona got the win back, so he's clearly not that hurt. Well, that was a good thing. I mean, his leg was bandaged, and they said that his knee dislocated or something. They had to put his knee back in. Mm. But, like, when I was watching the match, when it happened, it really did look quite, like, you looked at it, and you were like, oh, man. I don't think it was cool. He was yeah. showing his inner fan when he came out with those, like, LOD like spike pads on when he came out. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and yeah, and then I, I actually self like see during the Le Myers Cardona match at Rebellion. Mm-hmm. Before he'd done his knee, I actually thought he'd hurt himself like earlier in the match because I have less opinion of Matt Cardona in the sense that he's if you look at his physical build, right? He's a very tall guy, but he's a very tall muscular guy. He's very muscular in the legs, right? Mm-hmm. And when he was doing the outside spot with Brian Myers and he did the whole oh, what's that that sort of standing leg drop thing he does on the guy's head do you know oh yeah uh, it used to be called the rough rider but I think it's called the, the uh, oh, what's it called radio silence I think it's called when he was doing the radio silence outside on the rampway mm-hmm. when he landed there I thought he'd hurt his fucking hip or his ass or some kind of shit you know what I mean well, and when he went and jumped over Myers in the ring and fell on the knee it was the same leg and to be fair it is a metal ramp so he probably did like hurt himself but not like yeah. a serious way no, I just I, I thought he might have damaged the leg beforehand you know? yeah I get you but uh, I don't think we've actually seen the guys wrestle as I don't think they ever really wrestled in a singles match at least not a featured one and do you think they wrestled? They mentioned they wrestled on like live events or in an episode of main event here and there. But this is the most most first like proper match they've had. Is there any like real story behind it? So it was nice that they got yeah. to do that here. I mean, they didn't want to just come in as a team. They wanted to both do their own thing. So they they have this this feud, and then Myers like looks like he's actually it makes you also question if how hurt he was because then they had Myers like come over to him actually so concerned. But then he picks him up and then just hits the roster cut on him, and you've just smacked one, two, three. Oh, uh, he probably smacked him. I mean, you've got the commentators also rightfully bigging up how much of a an arsehole, how much of a dick move it is for him to do that. And one, th- much like you had your little thing about Ace Austin's loss record at Rebellion. Mm. Another little thing I just remembered as well. We should mention who was uh, commentating on Rebellion. Yeah. As well, the special commentator for the oh, show. Oh yeah, yeah. we had Mario Ronaldo at the the main event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose yep. I'm ahead a little bit there, but it was good to have him on the show as well. Oh yeah, I totally thought so as well, and I'll I'll, I'll talk about why when we get to the main event. But I do think it was yeah, weird yeah. that they immediately then had uh, Myers and Cardona again, especially in that qualifier for Under Siege, and then Myers uh, Cardona winning. But I think I thought maybe they want a capitalize on this like also heat that Myers is going to get also for you know not caring about his friend's injury by just thinking I want to win this match and maybe he'd go into the thing but you know maybe they're going to keep this thing going it's just I think I think um, they may have kept it going 
Because you're saying like you're not sure if my uh, Cardona was injured too badly. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe he, maybe it was one of those situations where he was like, well, we may have had something planned, maybe stretch, stretch out a match or two more. Mm-hmm. But you go into a pay per view, you fuck your knee, you come back. I suppose you, you feel okay, you get checked out, we say you're okay, but maybe you're just kind of like, well, we can't really do anything as such on now, but. We'll have a match, see how the leg is during the match, kind of way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I get you. But from there, we then went into the first, uh, the next title match of the evening. From that, we went into the next title match of the evening, which was for the Knockout Titan titles, which is uh, Joy Grayson, our partner, Rachel Ellering, uh, the daughter of Paul Ellering, the, uh, the manager for AOP and the Road Warriors. Uh, yep. she, she made her debut on the Go Home Impact and was revealed as the partner for. Jordan Grace, they had jazz in their corner, but honestly, the way that they did it, where they were kind of teasing somebody's about to come out with them, I legit thought Paul Erling was coming out. <laughs> like, I thought they were going to... Would you have squealed like an excited teenage girl if Paul Erling would come out? Well, I wouldn't have squealed, there we go, because like, I'm not that big a fan of Paul Erling, but also, I, pre- uh, I did feel bad for him when they kind of just took AOP off of him when they went to the main <laughs> roster. And also, like, you know, the connection, I was like, you know, he is our dad and everything. So I thought... No, it'd be nice for him to be there. You know, he, he knows about like managing tag teams, but again, I think it's, I guess it was nice to keep Jazz around and Matt, Matt Trigger joking like, "Well, it looks like Matt Jazz has got herself a manager's license." Yeah, and I did hear a little rumor like when when she came be uh, Jordan's tag partner. Mm-hmm. Some people and maybe Paul Ellering and he'll he'll come in impact. I did find it interesting that because. Uh, EOP got released quite a while ago, like it was months ago, and then yeah. any, so any non-compete they probably would have had, sure they would have been up for a wee while ago, so... Um, I think so, it's 90 days, isn't it? Yeah, usually, and like those two are like, I think in their early 20s, they're both a lot younger than they, than they look, so they clearly have a lot of time to like make their mark elsewhere and maybe go back to WWE someday if they want to, but... I'm interested to see why they've no like showed up anywhere. Yeah. Do you think any company out there would have killed to have like uh, a tag team like them, like two dominant like big guys, like especially like mixing up with some of the teams you've got here? Imagine those two v fucking triple XL. That'd be cool. It would be. But then you got yeah Jordan and, and Rachel and Rachel came out with this like smile style thing and she was all like even though she's like quite. Big, she's like, she was only a small part of NXT, she was in the Medium Classic, but I didn't realise how big, how tall she was, and then she's also got this yeah. whole thing, she's over the positive, and Jordan kind of looked a bit like, what the hell are you doing, so I don't know if that's going to be the thing with Jordan being the serious one, she's the more like upbeat one, but uh, maybe this whole smell steel thing that gimmick she's going with, maybe she's going to be the new upbeat person and replace overly, the overly positive, like Kylie Ray and or stuff yeah. like that. You know, it was a decent you know, match, and I did think they. I was kind of shocked about the finish because they like, know that I, w- I was shocked that they won because I, I thought they were going to win, and like yeah. they were teasing Taylor Wilde coming back. I actually thought Taylor Wilde was going to be revealed as as Jordan's tag partner or someone like that. Yeah, but not until not until the most uh, recent impact. I don't think. Yeah, and then the match happens, and uh, Rachel gets. It's kind of so big then t- turns into some sort of sit out like spine buster 
and then she hits the move. I didn't, well, I didn't know what her finish was, so that kind of, for me, she hits that move, and then suddenly the match is over, and I didn't feel like the match had went that long. So for me, as much as I like this match, it did feel like the finish came out, but like, oh, that's it, it's over. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was okay with the match, you know what I mean? And I, I did think when she was, like, Rachel Elring was a little clunky in the ring. Mm-hmm. First, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think she's been around that long, to be fair. I mean, she was in the Mian Classic back in, like, I think it was 2017 she was in it, but I think even then she'd only been in the business for a wee while, so I think, also, she spent a lot of time at the PC, so I think uh, she's still, like... Not the finished product, I don't think. No, but I'm sure she'll get there. I'm sure she will, and uh, I'm happy for Jordan, obviously, uh, being a champion again in Impact. Uh, she joins a very rare group of people who have been both Knockouts Tie Champ and uh, Knockouts, like, who have been Knockouts Champion and Knockouts Tie Champ. You know, her, Madison Rain, Gail Kim, I think. Uh, Taylor Wilde, who came back, she's also... Uh, Taylor Wilde was actually one half of the inaugural uh, Knockout Style champ back in the day. Cool. Uh, Velvet Sky and Angela Love, I think, were also... I don't know if Angela Love was officially a Knockout Style champ, because Brief Appeal did a whole like Freebird thing, I don't know if that's officially... But my point is that it's a very collect- selective group of people who have been both Tide champ and Knockout Singles champion, and Jordan now manages to join that group, which is good for her. Yeah, good for her, I'd say. And I hope this means she's uh, sticking around with Impact because uh, the world rumour, I think, that uh, in the next month or so her deal was meant to be up, but maybe her winning titles was kind of another way of them saying, like, go on, come on, stick around, go on. Yeah, stick around, we'll make you champion again. Because <laughs> also, like, Ring of Honor, they, they had a separate uh, sister kind of promotion called Women of Honor, but then that disbanded and then... They're going to introduce an actual women's division in Ring of Honor and create a new like, champion soon. And uh, Jordan Grace is married to Jonathan Gresham, who wrestles in Ring of Honor. And so when when, they, when it came out that our uh, deal was going to be up soon, there were all sorts of rumours of her going to Ring of Honor to be part of that division and join her husband there. And, and you know, but I think she's you know better off maybe in Impact, but, you know, also you can't force her... So. You can't really force her to stay if she doesn't want to, but I hope I hope she sticks around and like we see this like tag team and like help she and like can help further build this division because like I like that Fire and Flavor were the inaugural champs and they got as much as they could I think out of their reign or the matches with, like having kind of air Jordan and Jazz and things like that. But I think it was the right time that they've lost the titles, but uh, they definitely need to in the next couple of ones get some more teams in. Yeah, but what? What do you think of possibility that we'll win them back at the next pay-per-view? Um, I think that would depend on what Jordan's contract is. If if she is choosing to leave, then they'll probably lose them. If they keep, if they hold on to them in the inevitable rematch, then I think stay. Jordan will stay. Yeah. If Slammiversary comes around and Jordan Grace is still part of the company, I think that means she's staying around, that she's probably resigned. That'll be good. Because, like, Moose was meant to be, like, his deal was meant to be up in June, but then he showed up at the at the Impact before uh, Rebellion basically warning Swan, don't lose. And then he, apparently he's got a, a qualified match for Under Siege next week. So yep. it, that that does show positive things for him sticking around. He's going to win. He's not going to lose to James Storm. 
I thought you were saying he's going to win under siege. Like, oh no, he's qualifying match. Yeah, he's definitely going to win the qualifying match. Whether or not he wins it uh, under siege I, is uh, another story. Yeah, but he's not going to lose to James Storm. Oh no, he's definitely not going to lose to, to James Storm. <laughs> no offense to James. No, Storm. No, no offense to James Storm. Obviously, he's a, a legend and an impact. Especially, I, I've met him. Hey, I felt very intimidated in his presence. His arms are huge. You lucky fucker, man. What? I'm sure that, I'm sure I've told you the story when I met James Storm, didn't I? I you may have done, but I may have forgotten. But you have a very bad fuck. memory, to be fair. I, it was before he was, he did some shows for ICW back in 2018, and before one of them, uh, there was a, a the the record factory in in Partick. Uh, a a guy I knew was running this event where he was there, like taking photos with people and everything, and I got a I'm a forty-eight, and then that way I'm like one more brother than me, one with me and him, and uh, I had very, I did not know what the fuck to say to him when I tried to talk to him, and his arms were huge, and I felt very intimidated. Was he ginormous? His arms were huge, fucking huge, and like yeah, you just go down, and uh, there was a bar, there, and there was a wee like bit you walked in, and there was this room where he was in, and he was just, he was just what you expect. He was sitting there, he had a beer with him, of course. He was just hanging about with his fucking vest on. Was he cool though? No, he was cool, eh? He made a joke, because yeah. I, I, I was trying to find a wrestling shirt that I didn't wear as often, and I found an old Austin Aries t-shirt, it just said Aries on it, and I thought, oh fuck it, throw that, it's wrestling related. And he just looked at my shirt and he joked, he's not even on the show. <laughs> and I joked, I went, I know, I, you know, I need a wrestling shirt or something like that, I said to him, I don't know what I said to him. That's cool, man. It is cool. Where was that? Oh, aye. So, uh, yeah. next match, I forgot what it was. It is the last man standing match, yeah, I believe that is what they... Now, I know you're not a fan of uh, Trey Miguel, but I was a big fan of the finish in terms of how, in terms of creativity, I think. Yeah, I was a fan of the finish, but... You know... Mm-hmm. I was a fan of watching Trey getting broken in the match. I mean, I... Uh, wait, there were cool, some cool spots also using the the railings also the fucking thud when I, I think Trey ran it Sammy and Sammy just back dropped him over the rail and just the thud it made onto the floor yeah when and he then, bent him over the fucking legs of the chair oh you, you know, you know if you've ever seen the scene in Simpsons where Pomer gets punched and he, he goes back first over a, a fire hydrant <laughs> that's what that reminded yeah. me of the mm, this is quite painful <laughs> Which I imagine, like I mean, I think that's the episode where like Bar gets like the Big Brother program, and then Homer joins and gets a little brother to get back at him. And I imagine that Trey Miguel asking Scott Demore for this match is very similar to Homer. Like, so Trey, why do you want this match with Sammy? Don't say revenge. Don't say revenge. 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 <laughs> Don't. <laughs> anyway. Uh, also, the the spot where Sammy went for the pile driver through the table and it didn't break, so Trey's head basically hit off the edge of the, the table. And yeah. as Matt Stryker gratefully pointed out, I think that's probably worse than the table break because at least the the thing of it collapsed and helps to break the fall a little bit. Whereas that just properly just dunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, and then also you had Sammy trying to use the wrench on Trey, and then you had the spot where they were on the outside of the the ring. Uh, he got trapped under the steps, and Sam just kind of sat there and went, went, went waiting for the count. But then uh, the, the bag is obviously out of the 
there's no back on the, the step, so Trey basically slid under there, under the ring, came out of the apron where Sammy wasn't looking, had a running cutter through another table on the outside for the win, and, you know, Sammy, they kept Sammy strong in this because they said as he was getting up on part of the table, his arms were, his hands were sweaty, so he slipped just before 10, so Sammy could have gotten uh, back up, but he slipped. No, I like that we didn't make Sammy look weak, but I'm still annoyed that Trey won after getting a kick in. I mean, I think it's trying to make him look resilient, or maybe just on this occasion he was just that a bit smarter, but it's nice when they can pull it new, like, fancy again, like, he could have gotten up, but then, oh, he slipped. Uh, you know, one of my favourite uh, last man standing match finishes their last couple of years is a uh, it was the NXT UK takeover Cardiff. It was uh, Dave Massive versus Joe Coffey, and they were both brawling near like the like staging area. I know those like rolling like boxes with the equipment in it. I think they used one of those in this match. And the those boxes with the wheels on it, where they keep equipment, they try and push in each other. Yeah. Well, in that in this match, uh, they were both getting up from the to try and answer the tanker. They were both leaning on these these boxes. And Joe Coffey won because at nine, Dave Master was a big up, and Joe kicks the box out from under him. So, like, it's, I like creative finishes like that where the other person looks like he could have just gotten back up at 10, but then this little thing kind of got in the way and it was out of his control, so he doesn't look weak in defeat. No. And I, I made this comparison about Sammy uh, the other day that I, I don't know if you agree with this, but. Now who Bray back in his uh, cult leader phase, or when they made him more from a cult leader to more of a supernatural figure before he was uh, like Funhouse Bray. Like, yeah. where you would go and fuse just randomly with little rhyme or reason or something like that, you could like, make up some sort of motivation, but then it would just be a case of, but just a couple months of a programme, lose, move on to the next thing. I think Sammy yeah. has that kind of sometimes an impact. I mean, sometimes he wins these programmes, sometimes he doesn't, he? Like, he lost to, like, Eddie Edwards. You know, he's in the mix with the world title, then he's back with Eddie, and then he's in the thing with Trey. But Sammy has this thing, unlike Bray did back then, where Sammy can just go in and out of programmes at will, like, where he's in the main event or in a lower card programme. Clearly, I think they're trying to build Trey up and using Sammy to do it. But, you know, Sammy manages to go between these feuds, and, like, it rarely hurts him if he even loses, though. No, see, that helps Sammy Hall because unlike Bray when he was cult leader Bray, he trailed off a lot of the things in his feuds and it didn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't affect Sammy in that way because Sammy has a very fleshed out and very whole character anyway. Yeah. He's very unpredictable at the base, you know, so it doesn't really matter how his feuds go. It's just like that. It's Sammy at his core, you know. Yeah, because like, remember when, I remember when the, the baseball bat thing happened, that was a genuine accident and they did get some heat for it, especially Sammy because some people called him out for being reckless and he just took that and helped further feel his heel character. So Sammy can basically take anything that's thrown at him and turn it into something that he can work with. Yeah. Sammy can turn any, any kind of thing into art, into positivity. And I think... Uh, We've got a little bit of a sign of where Sammy's going next, but again, I'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on. But I, I enjoyed that, and I'm sure we both enjoyed the fact that Finjus retained their tag team titles against against a good... Get more time without with fucking title belt being Skyhawk. <laughs> I genuinely thought this was like a temporary thing with like Finjus, because like, 
they they haven't defended it outside of Impact. They just they've have shown up in in Japan with the belts, but they haven't really defended outside here. So I'll be just to see what they do after this. You know, I definitely think Violent by Design are the next champions, but uh, I was I part of me did think it was just going to be a temporary thing. Like Finn, uh, Good Brothers won them back here because you know they they were being shown as being like more aggressive and things like that. But you know they got out of the. Uh, it was with a roll-up this time where they counted the magic killer that they got the win this time, so it looked like Booba Brothers thought they were more focused now, but on this occasion, the uh, Finjus were still that one bit ahead of them. Is uh, anybody, like, maybe, I don't know if you agree with the fact by design, but is it, whether it be them or another team, who do you want to see them defend the titles against next? Yeah. Go on, I'd like to see them defend against. Like, I'm trying to think how we could defend against guys who make a legit could lose against these people, Matt, you know? Yeah, I think uh, that's why I say like fan by his name, but I'm trying to think of a team outside then, because, like, they could have a fun title defense against Decay, but I don't see Decay winning at this stage. Yeah, Decay wouldn't win it, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right in the sense of violent by design are by, by far the most credible threat to our titles. Yeah, because like I said, as a unit, the end they haven't really yeah, lost yet. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, because they haven't really lost as a unit yet, as I said. Because like even with Morrissey filling for it young, they still got the win. So. Yeah. There's that to think about. Uh, you, could have, you could have Rhino and uh, Rhino and Dinner win, or Rhino and Doring win, and the three of them until. EY is better could, you know, defend the titles in a free bird you know? Totally, totally. And I think it's good that they can pull in tag teams from outside of Impact to Challenge for these builds, like when you brought in Finjus. Because, like, I mean, I know ELP's coming in, but his tag partner, who's won the junior tag titles with Taiji Shimori, he has a history with Impact. Uh, he was he came over as it, when they were doing this relationship with Noah when he was working with Air, Air for a while. He... Even got a brief reign as X Division Champion for a while in 2017. So, uh, Taiji Ishimori, he's the guy who El Phantasma was teamed with in New Japan. And so, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't thought about bringing him over. I don't know if they'll ever bring him over because, like, you know, these, those two picks up in the X Division, but also as a team going after the, uh, the tag titles, I think would be pretty cool. But I don't know if they want a New Japan team via New Japan team. But, like, you know, I'm kind of. One thing I'm also wondering is uh, when is Alex Shelley coming back? I don't think we've got any indication as to when he's coming back. No, we haven't yet. You know, we haven't yet. But we haven't said he's not coming back, but we still have something. Yeah, I definitely think Final by Design when when the Machine Guns eventually get back together and start teaming again regularly, the Machine Guns could be a good shout for like taking the belts off of Island by Design. No, I, I, they it held that when they won them uh, when they came back last year. That was only their second reign because I think they'd only held them once back in the day, and that was in twenty ten. Uh, so so long back in the day, yeah, I think they did. I think they won them uh, end of the summer of twenty ten and held them till like January twenty eleven, where they lost them to beer money. So they got a good like five or six months out of that first reign. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So you know. Uh, but 
Moving on from that, I think they're in the semi-main event as Daniel Dice would uh, losing to Diona Perazzo and uh, I tried to look at th- this match as like just as a, a proper match because going into it, I was wondering how this was going to go. You know, heel v heel because like you got Caleb and I'm fearing like, oh no, that heel is helping another heel cheat to defeat this heel. Like there's so many heels around here, I don't know what to do because you had Diona working over to Neil. Then, like, am I might feel bad for it, you know, because, you know, she's quite vain and I still feel obsessed, so why am I supposed to cheer for that? And... Yeah. And then also... To Neil pulled out some good technical wrestling in this match, too. Yeah, because she's got, like, that, the middle lock that she uses to help counteract uh, Deanna's, obviously, their, her, like, arm bar and things like that. And then you had the added thing of, uh, to Neil constantly bringing up, like, yeah, but Deanna's never actually beaten me, uh, when we've wrestled. And... Yeah, that is an interesting story. But again, I go into I was thinking uh, it weird because they were both heels. I think I kind of could see Diona winning it. Uh, see that coming from a mile away. Uh, but you know, Diona got the win with that. I think that same uh, kind of face first kind of cradle pile driver move that she used to beat Jazz, and yeah. and then like a lot of, some people are wondering because they were teasing a. Uh, some release people coming to Impact, we'll talk about that in a second, but we were wondering, oh, somebody on Twitter were like, oh, what if the Iconics came to uh, Impact, because they're Australian, they help her against uh, Diona, Kimberly and Susan, like, I don't want that, because, now that I don't want to see the Iconics in Impact, I don't want this feud to continue until, like, July, where their non-compete is up. <laughs> yeah. You want it just to be done? Yeah, because like, I'm fine with this just being a one-off, it was a Decent match. It was probably Daniel's best match that I've seen her in so far, and I'm not trying to say that Diana carried her in any way, but I'm thinking this is. No, Daniel gave a good account of herself. Yeah, because she's been doing this for a while since, like I said, she was wrestling for the XT Women's Title when that was first introduced back in 2013. So almost a decade, at least, she's been at this. So, and while I've not seen her, like I said, any matches that have blown me away. Uh, I do definitely do think she got a chance to show more technical side, especially mixing up with with Diana, and so yeah. fair dues for this match. It did confuse me, and uh, then you then you had the beat down, which again was weird because she's beaten down another heel. But then Taylor Wilde made the save, and now I'm wondering is Taylor Wilde going to be shot right into the, the tail picture and maybe take the title from her? Yeah. Did I? I think that may be okay. Because Taylor Wilde, like I said, is a former Knockouts champion. She uh, won it from Awesome Kong back in the day when Awesome Kong was seen as like this dominant champion that no one could beat. Uh, Taylor Wilde debuted as like a fan who was kind of pulled from the audience and said, I'll fight Kong. She got her arse kicked. She came back to the next tape and got her arse kicked again, kept coming back and kept coming back until she eventually beat Kong. But do you know, do, have you ever heard the story of why, of how she, uh, her like leaving impact? I have not, huh? Uh, I think this is what she was Knockouts champion. Like she said, she mentions uh, one of the main things that motivated her leaving was she, uh, back in then, a lot of the female wrestlers uh, weren't getting paid that well. Like, you had somebody like a Christy Hemme making like almost double, or at least more than double, what a lot of the wrestlers were making, even though Christy Hemme wasn't actually wrestling. She was used as a, a valet and things like that, but it was mainly because Christy was uh, being used. Had been in WWE, but that's not the main reason. The main reason is that because of that, uh, the metal lack of money that because the knockouts were being paid like so poorly back in the day, 
uh, some of them like Taylor Wilde were still working a day job outside of the, the tapings and Sue was working in a sunglasses hut and literally one day while she was knockout champion she was working her day job and somebody said aren't you aren't you the knockout champion and she said she felt so embarrassed that I made her want to just take care of wrestling all together mm. and she pretty much actually did leave wrestling all together after she left TNA but then she was made to probably come back last year when they were telling on doing that uh that TNA No Place Like Home show back at WrestleMania weekend. Yeah. So, so yeah, they have been planning to bring her back for a while, but, uh, no, I'll be interested to see what she does. You know, I didn't get to see a lot of Taylor Wilde when she was actually about in TNA. I just know about her from videos that I've seen here and there, but talking about her and I did, and that's where I heard about the story of her leaving. So it'll be nice to actually get to see her, like, wrestle. Yeah, I, I don't really know her at all myself, so it'll be good for me to, like, you know, learn about the woman. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see because, like, you know, it is getting to that stage that if she doesn't come in and be Diona, even though some people might be against the, like, being Diona herself came in and won the title fairly quickly, so why not have Taylor come back and quickly win it? Because Diona is running out of challengers at this stage, you know. You know, take the belt off her. As much as I enjoy Diona, take the belt off her for a little while, you know, Put the belt back on her sometime down the line, but like give her, give us a break with from her defending the title. Give somebody else some new fresh matches. You know, give us like Taylor Wilde v like Jordan Grace or something like that. Mm. We really, we really need to bring in a, a stronger and more fleshed out women's roster in our division, more because I mean, there's only so many ways you can make those matches go. You know. Yeah, totally, and they could be about to do that with uh, this with Slammiversary coming up as they they give us a little teaser, much like they did last year with showing us some of our released stars uh, from WWE who seemingly have a connection to Impact, at least some of them do, and uh, they also teased the New Japan people coming over as well, and they sit there, the, yeah. the, the tagline at the end, our world is about to change again. Yeah. Uh, so like the non compete clause for these guys comes up in the tw- on the fourteenth of July, and it's rumored that Impact, according to Fabler, are looking either the seventeenth or the eighteenth of July uh, that same week for Slammiversary. Yeah. But apparently they're not confirmed either date because uh, they moved uh, Rebellion from a Saturday to a Sunday because of a it, it was com- it would have conflicted with a USC event, and apparently AEW's done the same with their pay per view, like moving it a day. Or so to avoid USC. I think one of the Impact Plus specials they did recently conflicted with a USC event. And apparently, since UFC started running again, they've been doing apparently very good numbers. So uh, I can see why they wouldn't want to run the same night as them because they think like Slammiversary. Why do what we did last year? Why get all eyes on us? Yeah, get trending number one again. Yeah, totally. And so you get teases of Samoa Joe, Mickey James, uh, Chelsea Green. There was an Australian flag, which is, I think, messing with the iconics. A Mexican flag, which I think is maybe tease uh, Andrade. Or maybe also yeah. Cleeso. I was going to say maybe uh, teases Cleeso, but Cleeso, I think, was born in the US, so I don't think that really counts. But he is a luchador, so. Uh, also yeah. teases of New Japan talent like Naito, and he briefly showed up in TNA back in 09 as a junior before he went on to be a heavyweight and, you know, one of their biggest stars. Okada, who famously had that run where he was booked by Vince Russo as a like a like Kato from the Green Hornet and pissed off New Japan so bad that they cut yeah. ties with TNA. So you know, and also it was rumored ages ago that Okada was going to come to TNA at some point. So I think he is very likely to show up and basically say like, "You guys embarrassed me back in the day," and 
have him basically have issues with TNA that or impact that he wants to get sorted. But uh, yeah, we also had like some more Joe people like that, and you know, there's so many, there's so many possibilities and so many avenues coming up for impact. You know, it's but like like I said earlier, there's nothing negative in the, in the future. I think you know, and you also got uh, yeah, the great I believe was teased because uh, he as uh, his other he has he has two characters, KJ Mitchell and the Great Mitchell, but. As Keiji Muto, he recently, at 58 years old, won the GHC heavyweight title, which is the, the top title in pro wrestling now, which makes him, I think, the only person to win the IWGP heavyweight title, the GHC heavyweight title, and the All Japan uh, title at separate points in his career. And he did say in a press conference a while back that there were plans for him to come to Impact to defend the title. So, you know, him showing up at Slamversary defending that GHC title, who against? I don't know. I mean, Eddie Edwards is the only Gaijin wrestler to have won that tail, so maybe Eddie Edwards is going to be the challenger, I don't know. Maybe, see, like, it's all fucking good, it's all positive, man. But, like, if you had to, like, throw out there, who would you, like, think is more realistic out of the people who we heard got released is more likely to show up uh, at Slammiversary? Oh, honestly, and I, I really do mean this, I, I have no idea, and I, I never like to speculate, because... Usually, if I speculate nine times out of ten, I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, there is a lot of options. I mean, I'd like, I'd like, like I said, I'd like to see AOP turn up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to see Andrade show up. Most definitely, I think he was very underutilized in the dub. Mm-hmm. I mean, like know? somebody who we've not been talked about in terms of comeback impact. I think we have, but not for a while. Selena Vega, she was in impact as a Serena. Uh, and uh, back in the day, she was a part of a tag team. She's a former Knockouts tag champ. Uh, her coming in, them two getting to you know reunite as a team, uh, impact yeah. again because they were really good together. But uh, so I, I really like to see them have, uh, come together. Uh, Mickey James initially, I said she's not. I always said she's not come back. I thought she would have maybe went to the NWA because her husband Nick Aldis, formerly Magnus, is over there as the champion. But you know. She was showing twice. I think she was showing. Most people in this were showing only once, but she was showing twice. So that has me thinking. Maybe she'll go. Maybe she. I think she'll have something to prove because she's come out and said that there are people in WWE trying to get her to retire and take more of an agency role, thinking that she was past it when she was only in like her mid thirties. And she claimed that she was bringing up with you why why the women wrestlers have to retire in their thirties and guys can go on forever. Yeah, because like, remember what we, even back in 2017 they had a feud between her and Alexa Bliss well they had a good match but the whole thing was turned around, oh Mickey you're old like, she's in her 30s she's younger than John Cena, she's younger than AJ Styles younger than Samoa yeah. Joe like, younger than fucking Goldberg and he got to come back and fucking challenge Drew for the title at the Rumble Yeah So, you know Yeah uh, and it is, Fuck off with your opinion Yeah, and so, <laughs> So Lacey here come back, you know, her multiple time uh, uh, knockouts champion. You no, know, getting her mixed up with some of the people that are there now. She'd be cool. Chelsea Green, you no, know, she said that she'd, she'd be open to come to Impact. She didn't want to, like, confirm anything because also she's engaged to Matt Cardona. She's good friends with uh, Diona Perrazzo. But she also said, like, she's never yeah. wrestled for Ring of Honor and they've got that women's title coming out. So she said she's also open to working with Ring of Honor. But Joe, I think, is the one everybody wants to see. And you no, know my perfect scenario would yeah. be Joe comes out 
after Josh Alexander retains the X Division title at Slammiversary and these two face off and they have a, a square down like I want Joe over here, Alexander, fucking take my money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. Oh. I love a match. Like you said, so much to go. We were already going for two hours here and we haven't even talked about the main event of Rebellion. We've gone for two hours and seven minutes and 14 seconds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I've edited this, then it may seem shorter, but, you know... Yeah, who cares about a few minutes? We have minutes? difficulty editing this one. We have, we have done a very good fucking show today, I think. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a bit of a perfectionist. I always find, like, no, that half a second of dead air is too much. I, I'm very pernickety, <laughs> I found. <laughs> I'm very... be pernickety with not care. Yeah. But here we go. Uh, the main event, Kenny Omega versus... Uh, Rich Swan for the AEW and Impact World titles and maybe technically the TNA title. Uh, with Mauro and Al joined. Impact TNA. Yeah. And, uh, that was it. AEW, yeah, Impact TNA. The undisputed. Because yeah. like Brian Hebner, there were two of the Impact referee Brian Hebner and Aubrey Edwards, the AEW referee. And she holds up the AEW title, but he holds up the Impact and TNA title, so. You know, and and yeah. Omega celebrated with them, so like that's why I was confused. But uh, I did like they had a wee segment earlier on where like Aubrey Edwards was with this like Tony Khan was trying to insist that Aubrey Edwards, the AEW referee, was the official for the match. But then Scott Demers was like, yeah. no, we've got the handle. We've got we've got Brian here, and he uh, goes, oh yeah, because Brian went screen and went, uh, Brian, what's your last name again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we had Brian and the inside referee Aubrey was in the outside, and she. To be fair, I thought oh, there's going to be some shenanigans here, but to be fair, Aubrey played it down the middle because like, she was checking on Rich when at one point and seeing, and seeing if he was alright. And uh, there was a spot where Kamehameha was going to cheat after he pulled Brian Hebner in the way of a, a cutter and he was going to jump in and, yeah. she, and she took it off of him. So I wonder if that would carry over to Impact when uh, the next time Kamehameha's wrestling tries to cheat and maybe they keep this going as like Aubrey Edwards, you know, the no-nonsense referee and everything like that. So I'm glad that there weren't any shenanigans because that would have really ruined this match because they were bigging it up as one of the biggest things to ever happen yeah and as you were kind of saying technically there was shenanigans I mean he did pull the referee in front of Rich's car you know yeah but I thought that was going to be then playing to the finish with all Edwards coming in and showing bias to him and like but no that was like the referee was fully conscious when the actual finish was counted and everything yeah and like we talked about Mario Ronaldo earlier on because yeah, obviously, as Impact commentators, D'Lo and Matt Trigger are going to show some favouritism to Rich Swan as much as they like Kenny, but they did. Yeah, Matt Trigger saying he didn't believe that Omega would be as willing to regularly show up to Impact to defend that title as, as Rich Swan would be to show up on AEW and defend their title. But then, Maro Ronaldo did everything he could because we, we all knew that Rich was probably going to lose, but uh, Maro Ronaldo did everything he could to make Swan look still look valued and still look like a like something of a big deal with all the punishment that Rich was taking during the match. The com- the commentary during the match was definitely elevated by Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Definitely and I would love for him to stick around in a more frequent basis. Even if he just shows up every so often for like big pay per views like not like this plus special but like shows up for like the big like pay per views like a Slammiversary or a Rebellion or Bound for Glory, things like that. Because he has a lot yeah. to add. Uh, 
Because the only reason he really left WWE and NXT is because like he was oh he's back home in Canada and he looked after a family member, and he was having to do his his commentary like from there, like in post, and it was becoming more of an issue. So that's the only reason he's not part of that team anymore. So he is obviously missed on NXT and like so I'd like to see him get a more regular commentary gig in terms of wrestling because he's done like other like fighting like combat sports out of wrestling, like boxing and MMA and things like that. Didn't he have minor issue with JBL as well, though? Yeah, that was like back in like twenty seventeen. And I think I think the like part, there's been a lot of confusion as to how much of it was legit, and how much of it was over exaggerated. But apparently, like he did like take time off with his uh, he is he is bipolar. Maro, and there's a whole documentary about that and everything. But you know, I think that's an issue. I don't know if I want to get into. Yeah, that, that's a that's a subject for another show. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hell of a Match, you know, Swan kept avoiding the the one ringed angel, but when he eventually did take it, it was after he'd been proper, like, he'd taken a lot of the knees to the head, a lot of, like, damage to the head and neck, because that's where the one ringed angel effects, as Contrary pointed out. And, like, the fact that Swan when he does, was making his comeback, and, like, yeah, they left that doubt in, with, like, when he kept trying to hit the Phoenix Splash, he was always after he'd, he was already been worked over a lot, so he's a lot more slower, where it makes you think. Oh, if he was just that few seconds faster, he could have had it. He could be the double champion right now. Yeah, but I, I was disappointed with the fact that Swan was made look so weak in the end of the match because it nearly ended. He really did get his ass handed to him. It was just knee to the head over and over and over again, and then holding him over the like the second rope just to taunt the impact guys like Edwards and Swan, uh, Edwards and Willie Mack, you know. Yeah, one one criticism I think people do you know even if you are a fan of KMEG is like he he goes to that well of like the the V trigger the knees far too often in his match, especially in his main events, and like you need to like acknowledge that about him and yeah, like because like Witch's comeback wasn't that because uh, like his comeback wasn't really that much because like he was still selling the uh, the damage he'd been taking as he was climbing up for the the uh, Phoenix Splash. They went for the the move and he uh, got a move, move V trigger one ringed angel because before he's been working getting out of it because it was a good point they'd made that it did take a lot to get Swan actually into the V trigger because like the last time it happened it was after he'd taken a magic killer and this time it was after a, a long like match where he'd taken a lot of that punishment to the head so yeah and. Uh, again, like, yeah, I think if it had probably been anybody else in the roster, maybe like an Eddie Edwards or Sammy Callahan or a Moose, then maybe there would have been that much doubt. But I think, unfortunately, Swan just wasn't the guy that people like had that much faith in that he would beat uh, KMG. And it's technically makes the thing about KMG technically being teenage champion is that technically means now he has four belts because he's also the AAA like mega champion, you know, the AEW champion. Now he's got these two belts. Uh, he wasn't on, well, he was on Impact very briefly at the end of uh, this week. And yeah. I mean, also, before I mention Impact, a lot of people were very quick to say, oh, no, those botches took me out of it. They had the two like spots they had. Like, you know, they're kind of ha- lucky that those spots didn't go worse than they, they did. But like, I, I get you that you know these are two guys who are usually quite seamless with their like high risk moves, but like, you know, risks happen. You know, that's why they call it high risk and. They were both quite sweaty, and 
at least Omega had the wherewithal when the, that kind of reverse rush kind of went wrong when Swan slipped. He still did. He still took the bump anyway. So at least they. Yeah. So like, I'm not a wrestler, but I don't think you can be too harsh on them. Omega quite like, like oh, but that's that's the match ruined for me. Yeah, it was a, a, a mild fuck up, and they kept it going. They didn't slow the match or nothing. And plus, like going for a, a reverse run off the off the top is still pretty risky. And plus, the fact that both men were very sweaty by this point, and this is the last yeah. match of the night, and things like that. Like I was listening to a friend of mine on ESR talking about like he was like picking holes in like certain matches from night two, which I thought were a decent matches, like the uh, the US title match between you know, uh, Matt Riddle and Sheamus, which I thought was decent. And he thought that there was a spot in the match where. Seamus goes for the white noise off the middle, but kind of slips, but then just stands there and goes, ah, fuck it, and hits it from a standing position. Which I thought was a very good recovery from Seamus, because he kept, managed to keep Riddle perfectly like, in place and didn't drop him. Considering also yeah. Riddle's like a 200-pound man is quite impressive, also because he's sweating as well. And he's like, oh, you know, I mean, there was the first thing like a friend uh, Dave said on ESR about it was, oh, you know, I mean, it was good, but there was that box, you know, with the white noise. I'm like, yeah, but you recovered better than any of us could. I mean, you try carrying a 200-pound man and try and climb up the top rope. 200-pound ma- man, you're talking about Riddle, right? Yeah. 200-pound idiot. I know, but, that's, that's, but him being an idiot is beside the point. The point is I don't think the botch was that bad and neither was the one here. Like, basically the way they handled it. Oh, yeah, true, true. So, Omega wins... Some people, some people enjoy them, but some people like, oh, it wasn't as good as I thought it would be. Like, well, that's because of the high expectations you probably had for it. I thought it was a solid main event, albeit uh, with a predictable outcome, but a hell of a way to close what was a stellar like pay-per-view, as we already said. I'd give a double thumbs up, I think, to Rebellion as a pay-per-view if I had to rate oh, it. Double thumbs up, definitely. I hope they keep this going in the coming months through Under, uh, Under Siege, which is on the 15th of May. They go... Sometime in June, they've got against all odds. Uh, they might try and slip another Impact um, Plus special right before Slammiversary, but hopefully Slammiversary is also as good a, a baby, if not better, uh, than this, or maybe better than last year's. But anyway, they announced a, a match under Siege, a six-pack uh, challenge. The winner becomes the number one contender for Kenny Omega and his Impact yeah. title. And they announced it was actually a qualifying match. He had Chris Bay beating Jake something. And Matt Cardona beating Brian Myers, so they're both in it. And next week, you got Miss versus Dean Storm, as we already mentioned. But you had in the main event Eddie Edwards versus Kenny Callahan, and that match kind of got thrown out after Good Brothers and Kenny Mega interfered in it. Cause, uh, oh, yeah. Earlier in the evening, Sammy Callahan had come up to Don Callis, and he was like, Look, you won't know when, you won't know where, but I'll get to you. <laughs> he basically made a threat to Callis and Kenny Omega, and the match ended between him and Eddie because Omega, good brothers, Don Callis came down, gave a beat down to him and eventually Finjus as well. Yeah. And Eddie. But the thing I noticed as well is that when we gave Sammy the initial beat down and they were holding him up to take, you know, whatever it was that Omega was going to do to him, he didn't look in any way fearful or anything. He looked angry. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, the minute I get a chance, I'm coming for you, fucker. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and so, like, because Scott DeBoer announced at the start of the night, you know, Omega, you're not here yet, but I'll, I'll put a word at Don Callis. If you're not here by the end of the night, then you'll be stripped of that title because you need to show up as Impact Champion. You need to, like, you know, 
be here. And if you're not here, then that six away under siege will be for the title. And so he showed up at the right last minute, you know, kind of close. And let's also set up the fact that uh, Finjus and Eddie Edwards will take on Kenny and the Good Brothers in a, a six uh, six man tag team match, which should be a, a hell of a match. I'm I'm sure. Uh, well, it's also made it very interesting what's going to happen with this thing because I think they really would. I don't see Kenny holding the title past Slammiversary. I think he'll get one title defence and maybe if the winner from the Siege fights him against all odds and then he fights whoever beats him for the title at Slammiversary or something like that. That's yeah. how I see it. There could, there could be a whole other plan that I'm not seeing that I don't know about yet which will unfold, which is likely. Well, I would like to go with your theory on it anyway. It sounds the best for me. Yeah, because I don't think they want to have him on that long a reign because he's got because like at the end of May they've got Double or Nothing, which is AEW's next pay per view, so they've also got to think about that. I don't want to. Because yeah. even though Impact Tape in bulk, there's only like so much that Kenny can do as far as, as like, regularly appearing for Dynamite and AEW and then coming to Impact. So I'd say Slammiversary, given that's going to be a big night, all eyes on and them because of like them teasing who's going to show up. Having Kenny lose on that pay per view would also get a lot of people talking, but. We've been all oh, yeah. we've been talking about how about Miss and how like certain we are that Miss is gonna win the title. This thing with Sammy though has me second guessing because now I'm wondering does Sammy get into the under siege match another way? Does he or does he or does Kenny fight somebody else, beat them, and then Sammy challenges him? Because like Sammy's yeah. been Sammy's been tweeting out about uh, this, you know, like he's in tweets like not the hero you want, but I'm the one you need. See, that is the thing about Impact, though, it just keeps you guessing. Like, what, you might spend a little while thinking, well, this guy's going to come for it, and then all of a sudden, like, fucking switch up on you. That's what makes Impact so goddamn good. Because, like, Kenny was very, only very briefly on AEW Dynamite this past week, and there was a little mention, there was only like one mention, oh, the new Impact champion, AK Omega, and our current AEW champion. And, like, there was, like, one mention given to Omega's match with Swan on the go on the Dynamite before, like Rebellion. So, you know we're getting a bit shafted in terms of promotion on the fucking AEW side. Of things. You know you got to think Omega's going to be showing up with that belt. So yeah, like you basically. So I think in terms of Omega, in terms of the storyline, is, is seeing like Impact is smaller than is beneath him. So then the storyline of him going up against someone like Sammy, who's been there since twenty seventeen, who's basically been carrying the company even when he wasn't champion. I think that's a hell of a storyline, I think, especially for a Slammiversary. It bloody is, you know, and I'll, I'll deny anyone, any company or any wrestling fan that says Impact doesn't have a place is deluded, in my opinion, you know? Yeah, because I, like, I saw like some people kicking off on Facebook because somebody posted a comment on uh, a YouTube comment, I think it was on uh, the video of the press conference before Kenny versus Swan. Yeah, and the and the this person left a YouTube comment saying they could see that they first saw AEW trying to buy out Impact, and I get why people are annoyed, but people made those comments because Impact isn't that small. That if they, Impact were going to get bought out, they would have been bought out back in 2016, and 2017 when they were really struggling. But Anthem is not a small company, you know. They own access to the channel that they have been shown on in the US. Anthem has yeah. quite a lot of money, the more not maybe not Tony Khan money or Vince McMahon money. But they have a decent amount of money. They've been there with luring some good talent to their shows and also keep them there for quite a while. So I don't think this is a case that Empire is that small like it's, uh, that it's they're going to get bought out. I I am I would... From this point on, I mean, I 
loved, as I always say, I loved WWF, right? Mm-hmm. And I loved Ruthless Aggression. Mm-hmm. I don't love AEW so much, but I'm so behind Impact, it's insane. I love Impact Wrestling. And like all these possibilities for what's going to happen at Slamversa we've talked about, this is why I said that I believe, like, much like when Eric Bischoff said in his podcast, uh, he always thought Halloween Havoc was a bigger show for WCW than Starcade, even though fans see it the other way. I, I'm i seeing the last few years, as I said last year, and I stand by it this year, Slammiversary is seemingly more important a night for Impact. You know, this is a bigger claim for being the biggest show of the year, I think, now than Ben Fogg really does. Yeah. Hell yeah. And that's just the way I feel. And, you know, we've been here for a while and I think I've, I've told you, you how I feel about everything that's going on. I don't think I can tell you no more. No, I think, I think we have covered everything as well as we can. Man. I, I think so. And we, we've not done a podcast this long in a while and I've not been able to talk as passionately about about impact in a wee while. Uh, well, so. This has been most engaging, man. I've enjoyed this one today. Alright, so have I. So have I. Because I know I'm... Because I've been nervous the last few months when we've been doing it like this, and uh, I look forward to getting to record with you in person again, but I'm still glad that we're able to produce like shows like this, where we can, you know... Yeah, this, you know, this has been a damn good show, and I hope to God our listeners love and appreciate it, because we love and appreciate them. Mm-hmm. And but when... I mean, when we used to talk about the dub and talk about wrestling in general, I often thought our conversation between it was a little stunted. Mm. But when you have this amount of passion for a company and for a product, and Impact has really brought my passion back for wrestling, like, proper. Mm-hmm. When you have this passion for a company, when it, it has to be talked about. Mm. You know, it has to be stated. Yeah. I, I, t- I totally agree, and that's why I feel it's important we keep like this series going because there are very few podcasts out there that are covering Impact regularly. There are companies that report on, like, oh, this big story coming out of Impact or everything, but like, or they'll cover Impact and yeah. in, in amongst other things that they're talking about. Uh, but a few podcasts focus solely on Impact, and this little side series that we've been doing as part of our overall podcast, I think I've really enjoyed doing it, and I'm, I've, I'd, I'd thought about doing it for a while. Uh, before we actually did it, and I'm glad we've we kept that in. Because it, it really is one of the best part. One of my my most favorite parts of our show. I love talking about Impact, and I love every I love everything about Impact Wrestling. I really do. Mm. And hopefully, we keep this enthusiasm up going through Under Siege and Against All Odds and everything else that comes at Slammiversary, and. You know, I think that's all we can really say. Thank you for tuning in to us. Uh, maybe try and move yeah. away from wrestling. Maybe get back to Fraser for our next episode, and then uh, eventually yeah. come back to wrestling. Uh, we'll let you know uh, going forward. Well, we'll let you know soon what our plans are for the next few episodes. Uh, if you want to stay tuned on updates, I'm going to try and post more regularly on our social media channels, which you can find on us on Twitter at SPL or Facebook.com forward slash Rambling Podcast. Find me on Twitter, Scott McLeod, 1996. And uh, subscribe to us on any Android podcast site that you get your podcast from, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, whatever platform you're listening to us on. Subscribe to us on there if possible, on iTunes, if you can get a like, a rating, or a review. Uh, please do so, and hopefully it's favourable. Otherwise, what's Yo. the point? On Spotify, feel free to 
follow us and share us on Spotify if you think we're worth it, you know. Yeah, yeah, why not? And uh, and I think that's all uh, the things we need to plug out. I should point out, Paul, uh, I, I, you know, I do work with the Starbucks, I do work with Rogue Opinions, and uh, I joked that uh, I let you know that well, last year when we did the Rogue Opinions Anniversary Awards, our Heroes of Wrestling punishment run, punishment of uh, the year, uh, we are also up for punishment of the year uh, on the upcoming second anniversary awards, I believe, are both the Starcade review and the Nathan's favourite matches, uh, <laughs> but I guess they're probably going to be up there, and Honestly, I think there's a strong case to say I think that Nathan's like top ten match thing might win again. So we might be two time award winners, even though it's not the best award to win. Hey, we still won something. Yeah, a win's a win, eh? <laughs> a win's a win. I don't know if anyone can tell, but I'm feeling uh, some soreness to the back of my throat. I think I've been talking for far too long. So while I still have a voice, I'll say from Paul and myself, thank you all for listening to our impact review. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Got it,